Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. All right, ladies and gents, this is episode 144 of the Creative Smelly Podcast. I am your venerable host, uh, Smelly McButtface, and this is... Uh, I'm the creative smell maker. And he's the creative smell maker, Chris Wiggins. And actually, he's, if you hear some, a little bumping and thumping, uh, he's actually making some knives right now. And if actually, if you hear some bumping and thumping... Oh, I uh, actually put that down because you would just hear the lighter. Yeah. Booyah. Look at that. Nice. So yeah, this is episode 144. And uh, we're coming in close to 150. I'm guessing Spooky Spokes is probably going to be 150. So I'm excited about that. By the way, Spooky Spokes coming up. Wiggins, I haven't even told you, but I've got a couple, if you're up for it, and if we can work out the timing, which I'll make time. I'll make time for you, co-host. <laughs> uh, I have this book called... Scary, oh, I thought we were going to take like a scary yes, ride somewhere. I have a book called Weird California, and supposedly Turnbull Canyon Road has a couple ghost stories that are in oh, this yeah. book. I've, I've heard about Turnbull. Mm-hmm. They used to do... They claim they used to do, like, sacrifices and stuff back there and had, like, witch stuff. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a crazy little place. And apparently on one some part of it, and sorry for the audio, we're we're at Wiggins' house and we're just doing it on the uh, the old recorder here, so it's going to pick up a lot of no- room noise, but that's okay. We did, we are sweating, we turned off all the fans and stuff. Yeah, and we're doing it for you guys, but... Uh, for but, those of you where it's snowing right now, it's still too hot in here and... <laughs> We'd like to have the air on. Oh, it's so nice. It's cooled down to the 80s. A little bit, <laughs> Like yeah. the high 80s. But, um, but yeah, so Turnbull Canyon does have a, um, a gravity hill, and it's also got some demon sacrifices, and it's also got some haunted, not gravity hills, but those, yeah, gravity hill where that pushes you. You know, you supposedly will move from a spirit pushing you, even though it's like a flat or a uphill. Oh, I was so, going to say, if you point down it usually yeah. pushes you anyway yeah supposedly there's this hill yeah and if you're going down it and you let off the brakes the ghosts will push you all the way down to the bottom of the hill till it flattens and then you'll stop oddly enough <laughs> it's pretty amazing <laughs> whoa and um also when i used to live in pasadena i lived right down the street from this old medical facility that's it's like a huge weird really weird looking hospital and it's been closed for many many years but it's where they filmed the ring and it actually looks pretty creepy. We might ride by over there. What part of the rink did they film there? Uh, the part in the, where the girl's in the hosp- hospital. Like, there's only a brief part where the, she goes to visit this crazy girl in the hospital mm. or something. And uh, that's where they, they filmed it was there. And it's been I, wh- super long since I've seen that. I yeah. It was super creepy. Yeah, yeah. And when I lived over there, there'd be, there was quite a few things they filmed, filmed there. I'm not, they filmed some, like, probably B, straight-to-movie or straight-to-showtime or Netflix horror movies there. Like, they, there was always a film crew down there. But, um, yeah, so we might go over there late at night and wander through the hallways and see. Uh, you might. No, you're going with me. I would never go there in there alone. <laughs> so that's coming up for Spooky Spokes. And if you guys would please submit your stories, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, let's get into this week's episode. Those are the show notes. God, they sound so good. They sound a lot better than I do.
So the first topic for tonight is three-wheeled machines, and I've been hearing a lot of people talking about the old, uh, what did I say it was called, the Riker? Uh-huh, I think you, so. You know what I'm saying? So the Riker from last week that we were talking about uh, has come up a little bit on a couple of the podcasts, and I'm thinking about three-wheeled vehicles in general, because I, I didn't like the Vanderhall when we saw it. I honestly don't like the Slingshot. And uh, I So my favorite internet car review show channel just did a show on the slingshot uh-huh um a car a car review channel yeah and they actually was funny because he was like in some states you need a helmet for this and i'm like you're filming in california and that's definitely one of those states yeah but um their big complaint was they thought it would be a better canyon car and it wasn't hmm. because of the one wheel in the back yeah so it actually got kind of a poor review from them <laughs> um for a car and yeah, and even I said it in the past. Like, I, I think if that's what you're in the market for, go look at Miatas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're going to look at a Canyon or the MX-5, which is basically like a fancy Miata. Which is, which is a, yeah. Actually, I think in Japan, that's just what it's called. Yeah. I think that's what it technically is here. I think yeah. it's the MX-5 Miata. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the MX-5 is like a special edition or like a special... Um, no, they just but, uh, quit making the Miata and started making the MX-5, which I think I'm even insane. saying, like, not if you're in the market for a Canyon car. Like, if you're in the market for a um, slingshot, go look at a Miata. <laughs> like, go look at a small convertible. Yeah. But I don't – and again, I don't really know what the price on them is. 20, we might be nicer if they hook us up with one to go drive. Slingshots like are between, like – I think the base, base, base model was 16. So starting you at spend 16. more on a Miata. I think the base is 25 on those. And the, but, and then you go up and they're a little pricier. But yeah, if you want, I mean, if you're gonna drive a car, if you want to carve the canyons, not on a motorcycle. I, I don't know. Subi WRX Ford Focus um, ST or whatever the freaking turbocharged one is. Yeah. The uh, or maybe it's the RS. I don't know. But they um, both are. The ST's front and the RS is all-wheel drive. Oh, okay. And then and uh, they've already quit making both of them. Oh, nice. So go get a Mitsubishi Lancer, Miata. Um, I just think, like... Even an old Toyota Spider. Like, with those things, I'm thinking, like, convertible. So that's why I, I, I think straight to the Miata yeah. with that competition. Yeah. Because the, it's the a convertible. MR2 and, or the Spider might have been a convertible. And, yeah, the other ones. Or the, S, the S2000 Honda, that's it's been a convertible. A convertible. Yeah. So, yeah, just go get one of those. You, you have a trunk, then, and you have an extra wheel to help you stop. Instead yeah. of a back wheel to help you skid. Yeah, I just haven't seen like great reviews. But and that's a big difference. I think the Riker's more of a trike mm-hmm. motorcycle than an mm-hmm. autocycle. So here's my question about this week on um the three wheeled machines. First question for you Are they motorcycles or not? Well, I mean, I think the direct trikes are and I would consider the Riker I haven't seen one of those, but it, it looks very, very similar to the um, Spider, right? The Canon Spider. Yeah, it's basically like the Bobber version of a Spider, and yeah. I think they redesigned the Spiders too. They just talked about it on our favorite podcast, Loud Pipes, because John rides the Spider, and they've upgraded. You know, he was talking about that Riker, and I didn't look up the specs, but I think he said it only had like seventy-seven horsepower or something like that, like oh. a sub one hundred horsepower for a gigantic vehicle like that. Yeah, I just think. That there's two reasons to buy a three-wheeled motorcycle. You're really old or you're handicapped mm-hmm. physically. Um, 
If not, I don't get them. I you think, said mentally off air, but physically now. <laughs> no, you're, that's you're why we buy it. real motorcycles. Uh, okay. Um, I, I don't get like the middle aged lady that's never ridden a motorcycle before, and that's like what she wants. I guess. I guess if it leads to a real bike, then yeah, that's cool. But I think a lot of people just get them because they want a motorcycle, but they're scared of a motorcycle. Yeah. And I, I don't know how much I support that or don't support that. Like. I don't know. I see a lot of people on the slingshots or on the um, the spiders where I'm just like, what? Why? Even for something like that, it's like, yeah, why not just get a Miata? Yeah. I mean, but again, like if you're really old or, you know, you lost a leg or something, I think they're awesome. You know, that's uh, I, so I think the Harley trike and Goldwing trikes are great. And I do like the tadpoles of that style. Like, I like the two wheels in front, but I don't know. As far as just, as far as the Riker, I'm kind of like, that market's covered. Yeah. Right. So here's my thing is that um, the reason I wanted to know if you consider them motorcycles is because here we have the Harley Davidson trike. Um, we have the Honda Goldwing trike, but that's a kid, that's not a factory trike. But then we have. Uh, the Ural and the, I think you used to be able to buy BMW sidecar kits from BMW at one point. Plus, I actually thought the Ural used a lot more BMW parts, but it's not. No, it's like a straight up uh, it's its own Russian thing. deal. Yeah, and um, then you have, like you said, the tadpole style, like the Can Ams, um, the Can Am Spiders, and I can't think there's another. I swear there used to be at least maybe another company that had one, but Harley actually had a patent quite a while ago. I, I read it on Knee Dragger, like in 2007 or something like that. That, pardon me, Harley Davidson had a patent on a leaning trike uh, that sort of had like the front end leaners, you know. And then um, we have the Nikon that's coming out for 2019 from Yamaha. But how stable is that as a trike? The Nikon wheels are close. The Nikon, yeah. The Nikon is like a motorcycle just with an extra wheel in the front. Supposedly, you have to use a kickstand. From what they said on all the reviews I've seen, I heard on another show that you don't, but they said that you do. Plus, you have the Piaggio MP3, which is a tadpole style three wheeler. Plus, you have but that was a scooter anyway, so that's for oddball people to begin with, <laughs> right? Uh, Plus, you have the slingshot, and plus, you have the T-Rex, which brings me to when, the, the reason I asked if you think they're a motorcycle or not is because when I look up T-Rex, they're a company, uh, I believe they're out of, yeah, they're made, they're made in Canada, Quebec, and it's the company is Campania, and the T-Rex is, straight from Wikipedia, a two-seat, three-wheeled motor vehicle created by the Campania Motors located in Quebec, Canada. And if you look them up, because I looked up their uh, website, they it's, it says it's a three-wheel car. So my deal with the... It's the exact same thing as a slingshot, but with a roof, basically. And my deal with the slingshot, why I think it's not a motorcycle, is because you sit inside it, there's a friggin' seat with seat belts and a steering wheel. Yeah, I- Especially that one. Yeah. I don't feel like it's a Yeah. Go buy a Miata. Go buy a Miata. Yeah, that one especially I'm like, go buy a Miata. Oh, I think Ariel might have actually the Ariel motorcycle company, the rights to the name was bought and the guy that made the Ariel Adam, but I think Ariel might have at one point made a um 
made a tadpole style trike and also a thousand years ago when I lived in San Diego and I was working I went to the San Diego there's uh, also the one that's um it looks like a Morgan kind of like very retro-ish mm-hmm. it's got the sideways v-twin in the front I think mm-hmm. actually an S&S motor mm-hmm. on it Maybe that's what it was, was S&S. And I can't remember the guy's name. I, I, I want to say it was a Corbin, actually. That's what it was. That's sort of one of the things. The Corbin might have been. Sparrow, I think, is what they were called. And it had, I thought it was a Harley motor in the front, but maybe it was the S&S motor. Yeah. And uh, it was a fully encapsulated three-wheeled vehicle. So if you're going to call a slingshot an auto cycle, that's a funny sound to hear on your street of all streets. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'll peel out. If you're going to call a slingshot an auto cycle, then you got to call the T-Rex an auto cycle, which it's not. It, is, it straight up says it's a car. Plus the Corbin, I'm pretty sure it was called, it was a Corbin, I'm sure, but I can't remember if it was called the Sparrow or not, but it was also a three-wheeled vehicle. Anything that has a seat and a steering wheel to me is not a motorcycle. Already, let's throw that out of the equation. But um, the three-wheel things that I do consider... Oh, I wasn't even thinking of the Corbin. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, that's it right there. I think it used a Harley Davidson motor, right? That one may have. There's one that like looks really retro. Because the Vanderhalls that we saw last year, I believe, were three wheeled as well, right? Yes, they were. And there is a. Yeah, I think there was a Morgan or something. That's yeah, you're right. There was another company. It wasn't a Morgan, but I don't remember who made it. And I'll see a photo of one tomorrow. Because then we're talking about like the but the motor's literally out of the front of the car because it's an air cold motor. Yeah. So you like see the sideways like. Hmm. I just think S and S made the motors. I bet for the Corbin it's an S and S too. And if it's a V twin, yeah, it's a V twin. And then also, yeah, because Harley wouldn't license their name All for that. Year two thousand or uh, electric. Oh really? Oh yeah. No, this was uh, had a V twin in it. This is this is circa like late nineties, early two thousands, uh, and then that means that the Vanderhalls would be a auto cycle because anything with three wheels. Remember the old Messerschmitts? The, have you ever seen one of those? Messerschmitt was a uh, a company that um, built aircraft for the Germans in World War Two. And after the war, they were like, shit, we got all these plane cockpits basically now, or all these designs for plane cockpits. So they actually built a three-wheeled car that you sit in, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it was basically like a plane cockpit, because the passenger yeah. sits behind you in the seat. Uh, that looks like not the, next um, to you. <laughs> the Beamer? Or the Fiat that was really tiny. Yeah, there was a Fiat that opened in the front, I want to say, like yeah. a BMW Isetta does. Actually, yeah, that, like steering linkage, that steering linkage was like a super copyright, and there was another one that opened in the front, and they were like got sued for that, so they had to make their own weird thing that opened up that had to stay there or something like that. Like those, uh, weird. Yeah, they're really, really interesting. But the Isetta, oddly enough, has four wheels, and there was like a Fiat or something that has like three, but this looks like an Isetta. So anyways, if it's got a steering wheel, I don't consider it a motorcycle. There's a lot of things that we would still be considering auto cycles by today's standards that have steering wheels and you sit in and they have three wheels yeah what is that uh elo all right e-l-i-o so any of you that are lame enough that you're not going to go buy a miata and you are looking for a three-wheeled vehicle go check out t-rex go and check out t-rex are just expensive though they're like 45 or 50 grand aren't they right oh i don't know i didn't i looked i'm they're right here uh, in quebec it looks like they're still making them so uh, I'm totally they not. They use uh, Busa motors. Oh, boy. Well, that right there tells you. And then, so what I was thinking is, 
Are three? You say there's three wheels. Three wheels is basically if you're not into, if you're too scared to ride a motorcycle or you're disabled. Sure, but I'm wondering if that's we have this opinion because we ride motorcycles, and I'm wondering if why these things are are they relevant? That's my second question. Are they relevant? Because for us, they're not. But for some, for the companies that are making them, and obviously for Yamaha to come out with the freaking Nikon, like all of a sudden start making a three wheeled vehicle that's not a Can Am. I think it's a different market. I think the. Um like the Vanderhall and the Slingshot, um, I mean, I guess obviously if they're selling them, then they are relevant. But I don't, I can't see like big numbers or anything for them. And the Vanderhalls are what? Like they were expensive. They were very expensive, yeah. 45 or 50? Yeah, starting. I think. Yeah. And they had an electric one, which was cool. Uh, but yeah, I can't see. For the slingshot being what it is, I, I just can't see not getting a Miata. Yeah. For the, like, uh, uh, you have the safety of a roof if you need it. Um, no doors is cool, but it's not that cool. Um, but the handling's there. Um, the resale value's going to be there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen a bunch of slingshots, but yeah, who knows what the resale value is going to be on those, and who knows, like, I don't, I haven't even kept track of recalls. Who knows, like, what could possibly go wrong with them, or how crappy they are, or what I the mean, maintenance is. They did a good job. Like. They used the Chevy EcoBoost in them, so there's a lot of aftermarket parts if you wanted to make one fast. But you know, we haven't driven one, but everyone that has, I see people doing burnouts and uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. They're all, let's see if we can burn out. Okay, yeah. we can. Well, guess what? Um, so yeah, from a non-rider perspective, uh, I'm wondering if these things make more sense to get people into motorcycles. Otherwise, because Harley has trikes, but I think it's for the, like you said, an older crowd that can't push the motorcycles out of the garage anymore, or back them out, back a 900 pound tour out from a parking space. Yeah. You click the, uh, the trike into reverse but these can ams now and the fact that they didn't sound from the loud pipes episode that just came out it doesn't sound like they make a whole heck of a lot of horsepower and so i'm wondering what's the, what's the deal like what what is is it um are we going to a more i mean is it for safety cuz i don't i don't necessarily know if these things are any safer you know what i'm saying i don't think they're safer at all yeah i mean it's you know the old thing with like dirt bikes and four wheelers like a four-wheeler is easier to ride until you crash, and then it usually wads you up in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you don't have the the same suspension. I mean, you can you can get away. You can go over the bars on a dirt bike or get lucky, and on a four-wheeler, you hit, and, like, yeah, you're doing end over end yeah. with the thing wrapping around you, yeah. right? I, I think... My favorite one um, for what I think they're for is the spider that has all the bags, like the tour. Yeah, one. the SRT or something like that. Because to me, they're it's perfect. Like the person that I see buying that is someone that's seventy years old. They don't really want to hold up their motorcycle anymore, and they and they're not stuck on buying a Harley trike, and the Harley trike's kind of pricey. So you get something like that. And you have all the bags, and it's something you can go ride, and it be a motorcycle, but it not be. Yeah. Um, 
but that's just kind of like my personal point of view. Like I said, there's a lot of people that get on them that aren't really motorcycle riders and they get that feeling, but without actually learning how to ride a motorcycle. Uh, well, and that's my thing is that when you go to, like when you start to ride, when you get on a three wheeler, you're not learning counter steering because you steer yeah. them differently. You're not learning a lot of things that you learn on a motorcycle, but I think for some reason it's a false sense of security where you think, uh, I'm not going to tip over. And on a motorcycle, that's the least of your problems. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like gyroscopic moment is actually a wonderful thing that keeps you upright even when you try to lean over. You know, mm-hmm. if you ever spun a wheel and then try to turn it, or a fidget spinner and try to turn it, same sort of thing, it, tr- it tries to keep you upright and it. Going into the turns, I I don't know. I just love riding so much. I couldn't think of riding a spider or anything else and turning like a tractor or a car and then like. Well, I just to me, I would ride it like a four wheeler, and I would yeah. lean off of it yeah. in the corners and stuff. If you were trying to get through some corners and have a good time, like. So I don't know. Yeah, you know what I love to see. I would love to see a Can Am. Uh, do flat track like a Can Am with like some. It'd be fun. Uh, there's the deal oh, I is excited you yeah oh yeah then <laughs> then you'd be pretty sad but for rusty butcher's um mad max class that would have been rad to see that would be a can am out the there the problem is they have traction control that i don't think you there might be a way to shut it off now when they first came out they couldn't shut off traction control hmm that could be problematic because i don't know for some reason well, in the dirt, it's definitely problematic because you're yeah. going to use that. You need that wheel spin. And ABS, like when you when you do ABS on dirt or even on a wet road, and you feel it, it, it you can feel the. The problem with pulsing. that one's not ABS; it's linked brakes. Mm. The spiders don't have a handbrake at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, you, there's no just doing the back brake then. Yeah, yeah. But it wouldn't. It might not matter. You, you might be okay. I, like I said, I'd have to ride one on the dirt. Let's do it. Someone needs to let me borrow one. I'm down. I've done dumber things. At uh, IMS, we'll request a uh, a, a fleet and we'll go. Because <laughs> they have on-road, and then I saw something that says off-road, and it shows that new Riker. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Who's making the Riker again? Can Am. It's, oh, it's really? like a version. It's like remember, it's like the Bobber version uh, of their Spider. So it's the same chassis and motor and everything. Yeah. The thing is, is I, I, on that loud pipes that just came out, I swear they said it was like super low HP and it was geared more toward like a beginning spider rider, which I don't know. I'm looking up this, I'm trying to look up the specs right now and I, I don't I see them. I, I always, I don't understand why people do lower displacement on bikes that look more sporty. <laughs> right. Uh, Harley did it on the Street Fighter. And not that that's what it's going to come out with, but the Street Fighter is the 975 motor. And then they have, like, the 1250 motor. Yeah. Which I've also heard they might do two versions or whatever, but I'm like, dude, that thing would be a badass 1250 twin. Yeah. And if you're trying to kind of compete with, I know they're not totally going after the Super Duke, but if you're trying to go after the Super Duke... You'd think they would go after Ducati. I mean, the DFL and the FXDR... Seem like perfect. Well, that one might be. Yeah. But the Street Fighters, they're, they don't want to go after the FZ09 because they don't want to hit that price point. Or they yeah. can't hit that price point. But they said um, it's more like What's the that CBs, noise? The sprinklers. Oh. 
it's more like the CB1000. And they said kind of the Street Fighter and the Super Duke. I think Chris is taking the shower, guys. Don't let him play yeah. with that sprinklers bit. Yeah. <laughs> In the living room, taking a shower. Um, but yeah, I, like, I don't know. A 70-some horsepower Riker would be probably a letdown. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Because it's a wheel- big, heavy, unaerodynamic yeah, bike, they're, too. They're like eight, between like seven, six and eight, 900 pounds, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, to have less power than a friggin'... And they're just wider and less aero and yeah. wide tires you got to push. And and I mean, I guess you're not going for road racing, so you don't need the 186 horsepower. And they're probably just for cruising. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they know their market, I, I would guess. But, I, w- and like, the Can-Ams are one thing, but the Nikon, the Piaggio, the, uh, you know, even the, what's it called? The, um, like, the Harley trikes. Uh, are those are they for I just don't a new get generation? The Nikon and the Piaggio, I don't get what they're for. Yeah. Because you still have to know how to ride a motorcycle to ride them. And if you need to use a kickstand, then it's not going to hold itself up. And the wheels are super close together, so what is the benefit of yeah. that? Well, the, and the Pia- the, the Nikon supposedly is for safety, and the Nikon's coming in pretty damn cheap, I got to say. The Nikon is like less than an MT-10, I want to say. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it's like six or something like that or 15 and I want to say the MT-10 is like just a notch up above that or something and those those make me wonder if it's for additional stability if it's a false sense of security you know what let me tell you about the time that my buddy stayed in this cottage he he, my buddy lived out in the cottage in in this woods and there was a handrail going up to his little it was like just his place he rented from on this property out in the middle of nowhere it was out in the back he could have freaking died and fell out there and no one would have noticed for days because his handrail was like held on by a piece of bubble gum but you never would know it he never grabbed it is why and so he never knew but if he would came stumbling home drunk one time or like lost his balance coming down because it was like a tree house basically he would have fell he would have ate some serious shit and it's like you see it, you think that's my security, but the one time you go grab it. So for me, I always wonder about the Piaggio and the and the Nikon. Now the Piaggio, when you come, I want to say when you get under five miles an hour and when you come to stop signs, it locks into place so that it can't tip. But the Nikon, from what I've heard, from what I read, uh, a few different things, a few different preliminary ride reports, it doesn't. You still have to use the kickstand, hmm. and it doesn't lock into place. Like, uh, you have to put your feet down at stop signs, basically. Yeah. Maybe they're just thinking a larger contact patch. That's and, and that's what I'm thinking. The, the false sense of security to to lure new riders in. Now I'm saying I'm not saying that if you're a new rider, you need a false sense of security, or you're going to get a false sense of security. I'm just saying maybe you feel more safe if you think you won't tip over. You ever do that thing where like your kid does something and you're like. And you kind of trick them into doing something, and when, once they figure out that they can do it, then it's like, oh, ha. Huh. Or even if you, if you're a rider, maybe your friend took you to a motocross track, and you're like, I'm never going to do this. And then once you hit your first jump and you do it, you don't do the kiss of death or something. Yeah. And you figure it out, and you're like, that wasn't half as scary as I thought it was actually going to be. So maybe that's their thing. Maybe these three-wheeled vehicles. Now, the Piaggio, like you said, that's been around for quite a while, and I have no idea what it's for. But the Nikon, I kind of think, is to lure people into this new market. And the fact that I pretty much hate all three-wheeled vehicles, 
Um, but a three-wheel vehicle is described in the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards as a, a motorcycle is something with not more than three wheels. So all of these things technically by certain federal safety standards have to only meet motorcycle safety that's why the yeah, slingshot. Yeah, a big thing. With yeah, them. there's no. They have seatbelts, but they don't have airbags. Yeah, they don't have a windshield. Yeah, that and that you got to wear a helmet though. And that's why some states you have to wear a helmet, and some states you don't. Is because no matter what the state calls it federally, it doesn't have to comply to automotive crash tests. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's one thing. That's why, but I still don't consider anything with a seat and a steering wheel that you sit in instead of on. As a, uh, you know, if you sit down in it and buckle up, I don't consider it a motorcycle. But from an outside point of view, I just, it got me thinking about, because everybody's, everybody's been talking about these new ones. And I, then I started thinking about all the three-wheel things that exist and what the hell are they for? You know, for me, it, it takes motorcycling from the, uh, we're never going to get to the status that we want to be seen as a commuter if we keep having three-wheeled weird Things that, but but when we were driving the other day, my wife there was a Can Am getting on the freeway, and she looked, she was staring at it for a while, and I'm like, does she want to ride one of those? Like she doesn't want to even get on the back of the bike with me, but she's looking over at the Can Am, like, huh? They have some cool styling, and I wonder if they can get away with some of it because they don't need all the safety features. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm positive of that. All right, well, I'm gonna call it on the three wheel moto thing. Send us your, send us your, um, if you ever raced three-wheelers back in the day or even rode one like dude i almost killed myself oh, i had an 85 atc 250r oh dude actually before that my dad had a 350x and he told me if i could start it i could ride it yeah so he said um i don't even remember this but he said i used to jump on this uh kicker with both legs like i would hang i would be on the right side yeah, of the, yeah. on the three-wheeler with my hand on the throttle side and I'd jump on the kicker with both legs and get it started and then I could pull the clutch in with both hands and then you can <laughs> ease it out with one hand, right? So I could get moving and it's got a sequential gearbox. So once you're moving you don't need a clutch. Yeah. So I would ride all around and then I'd like ride back up to the house and go down the driveway and pull the clutch back in with both hands. Yeah. Or I'd just hit the brakes and kill it. My neighbor had a one ten that we would ride around I would I was uh, I was his bitch for a little bit, and we would ride around. When I first moved to California, he took me all over, and then we got like 185s. I never had anything because my parents were so uh, so like uh, white trash. But um, he always had like 8,000 things because he had older yeah. brothers, and he always got all their bikes. And so I think they had like 185s. Was there a 185? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There was a 110, a 185, and a two. 50 or yeah. something four stroke so these were the one these were the models that were one step down from the suspension these still had only balloon yeah. tires for suspension actually what we had that was super rad that my dad did uh, more for my mom when they were still married we had a 185 or they had a 200 that was suspension so we had a 185 and a 200 frame so it oh. didn't have a clutch oh yeah it still had the centrifugal clutch or whatever yeah um and pull start but yeah, these were the, pull start. Yeah, but it I think it was in the two hundred frame, so it had suspension. Yeah, 
So, dude, this, these things were so hard for me to ride because I felt like the handlebars were like this, you know, and the balloon it tires. Was so rough. So, yeah. No suspension. Yeah. The suspension was your gigantic. You know what a roll on is? Have you ever heard of a roll on t- tire? Oh. Uh-uh. So, this is. Oh, like a bicycle? No, like they, they were these cars back in the 60s that had huge, like, eight foot wide tires. So, mm-hmm. your suspension was basically this, like, I don't know, 12 inch wide tire and 12 inch. Eight, ten, you know, eighteen inch tall. I don't know how big they were, but they were just gigantic balloon, knobby balloons that you run around on. Hard to drive. And when I think of three wheelers, that's what I think of. So I hate them. Plus, the first three wheeler I ever looped out was my friend's Yamaha two stroke Tri Z. I think it was a three fifty, and that thing was pretty nar nar. I think two fifty was the biggest two stroke. Three wheeler, yeah. Oh, maybe it was only a two fifty. Yeah, I, I think it was a triple though. It was the Tri Z, Yamaha Tri Z. I think it was still a single. I don't think they made the Banshee was a twin three fifty. Uh huh. But the Honda two fifty R would keep up with it. Stock actually, Yamaha. stock would smoke it. Yeah, this definitely wasn't a Banshee because it was. No, that was three wheeler. But uh, it was. Uh, a- Maybe Tri-Z, yeah. But I maybe. think it was only a two fifty. Okay, yeah. So that thing I uh, pulled around the loop out on uh, once or twice, and then um, yeah, three wheelers suck. <laughs> I mean, they were fun when I was a kid because that's the only, only way to get around. But uh, yeah, I would never. They were death machines. <laughs> yeah, they were crazy. And that's what I think of every time I think of a three wheeler. Alrighty, let's move on to our next topic. Insert music here. <laughs> All right, next topic, Wiggins. You ready for this one? Sure. All right. Are you in the bathroom back there? I'm always ready. Okay. Oh, good. And you quit taking a shower and everything. That was great. Perfect timing. <laughs> uh, so we got three or four. You know what we got coming up here pretty soon, Wigs? We got three or four moto shows. We got Eichma coming up. We got uh, Inter- Intermot. I guess that's German. The German one. Plus we got IMS. Plus we got uh, AIM. Yeah, are we gonna try and go to AIM? Yeah, or, or we're gonna definitely go to IMS. Do you okay. want to go to AIM too? I don't know. Sure. Okay. Because we have enough Patreon subscribers to get a hotel. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'll talk to you after the show about <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, so here's the deal. There's four, and then Tokyo Motorcycle Show is only every other year. Tokyo Motor Show, I mean. So we'll next year there'll be something. But we have four major international shows coming up. And I don't want to leave out Australia or Britain. I know that Britain has a huge bike show, and I can't even remember what it's called. But I'm sure it's coming up, too, because they're right all around the same time of year. So with all of them coming up, my questions for you are based on like the last like year and a half. What are your predictions for 2019? What will be new? What will disappear what will be like the new crazy trend? Are we going to see, you know, how the scrambler like hit hard and, and yeah. it hit with everybody? Are we going to see something like a, a new scrambler? The bobbers was just like everyone came out with the bobber over the last couple of years. Yeah, Are we going to see the bobbers? bobbers was a day late and a dollar short. Oh, of course. Um, well, well I don't know. The Riker came out with the, the, the Riker came out with the bobber now, yeah, too. I so it's still a little, a little late. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see the new Indian. One thing that really excites me about it, though, I'm super excited, is uh, all the Indian hooligan guys just had these massive boners over this prototype, and it's nothing like the prototype. Right. And not even just them. There were so many people who were like, that thing's so badass. It's going to do – it's the next – and I'm like, it's not going to be like that. 
because it's not going to be a forty thousand dollar bike. If it was, you guys wouldn't spend forty thousand dollars on it. Yeah. Everyone's saying they were going to buy it. Like, no, you're not. Because it's not like you would buy it if it was that badass and it was ten grand, but it's not going to be. It needs to be like scout pricing, and there's no way they're going to have that. It's going to be a little. I bet it's a little more than scout. I didn't see the estimated thing that Sideburn had, but I saw the spy photos. Hmm. It looks like a Ducati Scrambler. Yeah, which with that motor it would be a cool bike. Yeah, like there's no reason that they couldn't do that. And Ducati is actually coming out with another Scrambler. I got a. I got a something from their media house that um they're coming out with some new crazy thing stay tuned for our new scrambler joyfulution or whatever the hell they're calling it i think here's the deal the scrambler thing i thought it was over but it kind of feels like it's continuing the cool thing with the ducati scramblers it's such a versatile and this is smart on ducati's part too and i like that they do this such a versatile bike. Mm-hmm. They've got now they've got the Ducati or the Scrambler eleven hundred. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, which they I had haven't a, even really seen many of those. They had a four ten, a nine hundred, and like an eleven hundred now. I so don't the, remember a four ten at all? That was the Scrambler sixty two. Okay, and if you're in, it would the, have been a four ten. It was like a six something. It's it was still a V twin four hundred something. Really? Yeah, it was half the displacement of the nine hundred. So maybe it was a four fifty or something. But it was still a twin? Mm-hmm. It was just super sleeve. It was sleeved, totally sleeved cylinders. Here's the deal. The 410, or the Scrambler 62, was only 10 pounds less than the actual Scrambler 900 or whatever. Yeah, it's like the, uh, the just, Sportster 883 and Sportster 1200. Yeah. They're the exact same bike. It's just a thicker sleeve, yeah, so yeah. smaller. That's, same basi- with that's exactly the what the 62 was. The 500. Yeah. Yeah. That was the same thing with the, uh, the Scrambler... Um, so when I was looking at them, and there's only a there's a massive horsepower difference, but there's only a ten pound difference. You're like, yeah. uh, uh-uh. I think the maybe the sixty two was even ten pounds heavier because of the, the <laughs> sleeves. sleeves. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe it was plus ten pounds, right? Maybe that that was the difference. But um, so yeah, I mean now they got the eleven hundred, and they're coming out with a new. But you they've know, got the cafe racer one too. Mm-hmm. Like it's a versatile platform. It's a good looking platform. It's something that enough people are customizing, too, so you see original ones. Um, I don't see them dropping that at all, mm-hmm. you know? And as far as adding to it, I don't know what they would add unless they update the 900. Yeah. But being that they just did the Cafe Racer and stuff last year, yeah, I think they let it sit for a while. I want to say they just came out with the Scrambler Icon, or maybe that's the one that's coming out, and it's going to be like a traditional Scrambler or the Scrambler that started it all. And um, if Indian, if this FTR does kind of look like a scrambler, then g- g- good on them. The scrambler's a crazy versatile platform because you can have all three of these motors basically in one frame. Everybody a couple of years ago, that was the thing when the R9T came out and when the scrambler came out. And supposedly, as the Harleys have come out, is that everybody was going to modular platforms to cut down on yeah. uh, manufacturing costs and well, stuff like honestly, that. Honestly, for the consumer end of it, too, like... I think that concept is really good, and it really bugs me when companies don't do that. And Honda's guilty of not doing it. Like, you could have two exact same parts, but they're different part numbers on different bikes, and it just makes everything a pain in the butt. But, like, my Ducati, when I was fixing that, it was great because I, I bought a clutch out of I don't know what. Yeah. But if I would have had to buy a clutch out of that bike, it would have been really hard to find, yeah. really expensive. But it wasn't. It was out of anything and all the motors bolting all the frames and you know harley k- 
kind of did it, but they also did some different head tube angles and stuff. Yeah. But Honda, even some of the bolts are different by bike. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. Honda, Honda really breaks it down. And they have a lot of... Um, but it just makes sense from a manufacturing standpoint and for your customers later on down the road and your mechanics. Yeah. You know, you're... I know that a lot of deal, a lot of places don't they don't really think about the people buying ten year old bikes, but you know the fact is like those people are still putting money in the hands of someone that might go buy a newer bike, and it still keeps bikes flowing. And I mean that's and that's a buying point for people buying new bikes and used bikes alike. Yeah. How hard is it to work on? How easy is it to find parts? You know, I know um, that was one of the big problems with the XR1200 is it's kind of a standalone bike. It was had a lot of similarities with the motor from a Buell, but it was still a lot different. And it wasn't like they never put that in a Sportster. Right. So it's like it's kind of a Sportster and it's kind of an XB, but it's kind of its own thing. Yeah, it was totally standalone. they it was- only made for a few years. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine trying to buy a set of cases for that or... yeah. I know, I know, because everything was different. You're right. You can't yeah. you can't just go buy Sportster parts and yeah. slap them in. And even the XB, you know, it had its own cases, and it, and I get something, you know, like the crank slider or whatever. Okay, it's a hot rod compared to a standard sporty, but why are the cases different? And it's like the swing arm in the rubber mount sporty mounted through the motor. So why is it different? <laughs> like, why is the cam cover different? And not interchangeable. Like, I get, okay, we're going to make it look different, but it's not even interchangeable. The pattern. Like, yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the cams turn the opposite direction, but maybe that's from a solid mount to a rubber mount. Just weird little stuff that you're like, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and if the Buell needed it, why not just do it to the Sporty 2 then? Yeah. Just to keep, again, everything, not necessarily modular, but ease of manufacture, ease of part numbers, ease of... You know, okay, so maybe the lobe, the the lift and duration on your cam's different, but why not still make them totally interchangeable? <laughs> and maybe they are. Actually, I think Buell cams are interchangeable in the Sportsters, but I think you're right. I think that's a yeah. I think I that's mean, right. I mean, last year we saw didn't the Moto Guzzi too? Like the V7 and the V9 was pretty similar. I mean, yeah. there were a lot of a lot of stuff went modular, and BMW did it with the R9T, but supposedly they're, they're going to be doing it with uh, the R, the other, like the... Um, it really makes sense. Yeah. Uh, at least to me, it really makes sense. Yeah. And I think in the case of, like, the V7 and V9 Gucci, like, hopefully just the bore is different, and it's real easy to change them. Yeah. And and on the, then on the Sportsters, too, the 883 to 1200, like, the heads are different. And maybe it's an EPA thing, but I know the 1200 rubber mounts and 04 and up, they got, like, basically a Buell head. There's a few small differences, like Buell uses, I just learned this, metric um, valve stem diameters instead mm. of standard, like mm-hmm. little stupid things like that, but the 1200 and are different, and it's like, really, if you're basically putting thick sleeves in a 1200, like the stroke's the same, do you need a better combustion chamber, mm. or could you just put 1200 heads on it so it's easy for someone to open up later? Yeah, that's a good question, and I'm... I'm not a super aficionado, but uh, those the kits that you buy, aren't they just basically uh, like sleeved out or? Yeah, um, but if you have an eight eight three, you can only go to a twelve for most of the kits. 
And yeah. of course, if you got pistons made, but um, you can only go to a 1200, but a 1200, you can make a 1250. Yeah. But it would be super rad if you had an 883. If you're going to spend the money on a kit, why not do the 1250? And but speaking the combustion chambers are different and you have contact. Yeah. And speaking of 1250, that's another thing I can already guarantee you for 2019 that we're going to see because I've already seen a lot of it preemptively happening around the country. I mean, around in other markets. The bumps, they just, uh, I think Cycle World might have just announced the 1260 or the 1250 GS bump, but they already, I don't know where I heard it, but I already knew BMW was bumping up to 1250. The R1200 GS is going to be a 1250. In Canada for 2018, I was looking around on the US site, had the F800, um, or I'm sorry, the F850 shown. Mm-hmm. At first, like right around there, when they when BMW announces their models, they don't want to tell you the year. And this is a tactic that a lot of European manufacturers use. They want to tell you the VIN. They don't want to tell you the year. They go by VIN, and a lot of times they used to do – BMW made this announcement, I want to say, back in 2014 or maybe even 2012. when they, After the market crash in 2008, their traditional manufacturing runs weren't working so well. So what they did is they went to this – Thing, uh, Klaus, whoever took the, took over, said, "We're going to make these runs now, where we, it's not our traditional dates. We're going to we're going to buy by market demand. We're going to start making this bike uh, a production run and ship it to that market. So your bike that used to be made in April is now made in December, maybe. You know what and, I'm saying? You know that really makes sense. Um, and again, what doesn't make sense to me are like small changes." from year to year to year um i just know from like dealing with this oh four all the sportsters went rubber mount got a huge revamp huge change way different from the previous 13 years 12 years something like that um i remember it it had the old swing arm still Hmm. but actually it may be the it might have been a new front part of the swing arm but with the same like axle blocks and sliders and then, like, a year or two later, it got, like, an updated one. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, didn't, in 09, everything got a framework over. All of the platforms got a frame. I don't know if it was going to rubber mount or what the it was, but... Dyna didn't that year. Okay. The bagger did, because the bagger had a death wobble, too, and they fixed it, but they, it wasn't fixed. I don't know if they ever fixed it on the Dyna, actually. Hmm. Um and the Sportster did get some 09 upgrade, or yeah. 09 changes. Yeah, like, all the frame, we got, like, a bunch of frame... Maybe. Warranties came down. I was like, Maybe. we changed this, blah blah blah, and I, yeah. I don't know what the change was. I just know that in '09, like a fr- new frame came, and it kind of made like some new opportunities. And speaking of going modular for last year, uh, but, companies I mean, saying that. I mean, I think they yeah. kind of they they might they might be going to it more now, but they started some of it back then, even though they didn't really. Um, but like I was saying for the production dates and for the BMW Euro manufacturers never want to tell you the date of the bike so last year for 2018 some of the 19 stuff got shown as 2018s and then their website got revised and it's like oh now it's a 19 you know and 19 we're going to but Canada has been selling the F750s and F850s this year as 2018s so they've already been bumped up um, the 1200 is going to be bumped up now, and then I'm waiting to see: Are we going to see like an F850? If we're going to see the 850GS, are we going to see the F800 850R? And all these bumps in, uh, like the Ducati Multistrada came out 
And their big thing was that, hey, we're going to do this connective car thing and we're going to do this rider share, not rider share like the uh, rider share app, but we're going to do like a connected rider thing where you can take a, go on a ride and then shoot your GPS coordinates out to your buddies on our 1260 Multistrada, the new 1260. So everybody's bumping up 50, 60 cc's, a lot of people doing it. Um, and then is it, and the, actually the, NC 700 from Honda is now at NC 750. You know, everybody's bumping mm-hmm. it by 50 cc's, and I'm wondering if it's because there's a new... Sp- I haven't actually looked at uh, emission stuff, but I know that usually every five years there's like a revision, and the last time it happened was like just a couple of years ago. I'm wondering if this is people's way of like bumping up displacement, but you're still only getting the same power because maybe. they need to... Because of emissions. Because maybe. of emissions, and maybe I'm not sure. Be, yeah. That Otherwise, why issue. is everybody – that's my prediction for 2019 is we're going to see a lot of bumps. And I don't know why people are bumping up 50 cc's for – Yeah, and it's hard because reason. I think a lot of the bikes too, like a lot of the race bikes obviously, they're limited yeah. for their series. So they can't really go bigger. Um, you know, and traditionally we have this class of like 600s and 1000s. So I wonder Flat track's gonna be 800cc twins now <laughs> You know like Well there's just technically a race motor for 750 So it wouldn't be affected But yeah Yeah So what other big What do you think is coming Do you have any w- predictions for like weird stuff coming online Like do you think uh, The FXDR coming out Do you think there's gonna be like a new power cruiser line Uh do you think more electrics are going to come out now that Harley has said they're going to do electric? Do you think that it's going to take Harley for Honda to finally say, let's blast the Mugen out? I feel out? like we hear rumors of it. Yeah. And I haven't really heard rumors of much this year. You know, and it's... I also wonder, too... Like, I did just see a thing where Audi's doing a lot of electric stuff, which we've talked about the European market. They're trying to go full electric. Yeah. So I wonder if companies like Honda and stuff aren't waiting to me too. Like if you're going to do like a big revolutionary model or like an electric bike, that's totally new for your company. I'd wait to 2020. Yeah. Just cause like, it just sounds cool to have a 2020 electric. Like yeah. it's so futuristic, even though it's not, yeah. you know, it's like two years away. Yeah. You know, also, yeah, I went back and reread my article that I had written when Germany first made the proclamation they were going to go all electric. And I think in my article it said by 2030. I think so. so. Yeah, get the jump 10 years before it's mandatory, right? Yeah. You get some stuff out there at least. Well, and you can see, you know, I saw a surprising amount of Teslas over in Germany. Right. So, you know, the market's there. You know, if a company like Tesla can sell them, then companies like Audi can sell them. Yeah. And on on the motorcycle front, if Harley Davidson has said we're going to make it and they can sell them, I think it will encourage. Well, isn't the Livewire is a twenty nineteen model, right? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, you might see one in yeah. IMS, a production might. one. And um, I'm excited about that because I think I don't know about this next. I'm not going to predict it for twenty nineteen, but I'm going to say people are going to see how America's biggest domestic uh, producer does and how sales go. If they're successful with it, and they probably will be, there's certain states like Hawaii and California and I think New York or Vermont or something that love electric. If they're good in the electric markets, I can see people, I can see other people going, 
Hot damn, we got a there's a market now. Because if you're uh, there's no market, why make a product, right? I wonder too how many companies right now are ashamed that Harley beat them to it. Like yeah. this is the company that their basic motor design hasn't changed in 115 years. Like, I mean, on and I, I kind of lump a real BMW into the same category with their opposing twin, but you know, their air cooled pushrod motors, they're not. I don't know. They're not known for being the most high tech bike on the street. Although I will say, the the um, the GPS and stuff on the 2018 Goldwing is super lame. Oh yeah, it's so outdated already. <laughs> um, and and Harley's got all touchscreen everything. It's all Tom Tom. Well, that was one of it the big is things. Kind of like that. It's bad. Harley this year. This year specifically, Harley got. An upgrade to the boombox. None of the controls are on the. You don't have to reach for it. It's, it's, yeah. Everything's like at your fingertips. Yeah. This year, supposedly, um, it's about time. I mean, when you think about how cars and everything well, it's like a big that, safety issue. Yeah. Oh yeah. You don't want to be so reaching. So the more forward. that you can integrate that, and the wings got a lot on the bars. You can do a lot on the bars, but as far as like entering an address. Like you would think it'd be touchscreens. You could just type it real quick or push to talk. Like with, uh, with all the uh, yeah. AI and stuff. Yeah. Well, and the Goldwing. Always being such a technologically advanced bike. You'd think it would read your mind. Yeah. Like, I, I see the next gen of that being full electric, even on such a big touring bike, or being a hybrid. But, which I'm kind of surprised they didn't do this time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Harley's not the company that is known for technology, really. Like, yes, their baggers have touchscreen and stereos and stuff, but... It's just their baggers. Everything yeah. else, like they're known for being the bare bones, minimalist, minimalistic, minimalistic bike, which is what people want from them. I just looked on dictionary.com. Minimalistic was the right <laughs> one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they are the the first major player to market with an electric bike. And you know what's funny about that is that Zero has been around since like 2007. Alta has been around since 2010 or Something they've been around for about a decade. Lightning's been around forever. Sizz was around for, since forever. Honda Shinden has been racing at the Isle of Man since 2007 or eight. None. Of, if you had said to somebody, "Hey, what's a zero? I'm going to say about fifty percent because motorcyclists know. Yeah, I'm going to say about fifty, forty to fifty percent would know what zero is. If you said, "Hey, what's a zero? I'm going to guess about twelve percent would know what Alta is because even yeah. Alta has this joke, a shirt that's a joke that says, "Who the hell? What the hell is Alta? Or who the hell is Alta?" Yeah, um, I'm going to guess nobody would guess what if I said, "What's a Lightning?" They'd be like, "I don't know, battery company." You know what I'm saying? Like, or a yeah. freaking starter company. Who knows? Yeah, like I, there's Harley Davidson. You say Harley Davidson has electric. And they are super. They've been the what the Livewire came as a prototype in twenty ten or twelve. But no. they, they're so late to the game. It wasn't that long ago. Was it more recent than that? Twenty fourteen. Think so. Twenty fourteen or fifteen. Maybe, yeah. So within like the last like five, four or five years. Yeah, yeah. So the deal but, is, and they did. I'm actually. I mean, I'm surprised it's at market and it's that quick, but. They did that little tour with it yeah. where you could go test yeah. ride it. And and the deal is Harley-Davidson, technically the newest kid on the block with an electric, has beat him to the punch because the name behind it, everybody knows what a Harley is and everybody knows that they're coming out with an electric because it's such huge news when they've had the same motors in 100 years. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm just still surprised, and, I, and not in a bad, it's not bad at all, but it, I'm still surprised that they are the first major player to market. Yeah. yeah. Like, major player being the key word here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean you, you're always, always, always going to have those small little niche brands that oh, yeah. some um, trust fund engineer has a dream and or some, you know, tech billionaire or whatever. Um, they have a dream of a company and that's what they want to do. And, you know, when you look at ones like Moto Sys and stuff, like they were very successful. Then we, we talked about them. I don't, what happened to the owner? Didn't he pass away with brain cancer? cancer yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're, that's an unfortunate one, but I think when you look at, like, I lump him in almost with guys like Britain. You know, and it's who like, also died of brain cancer, right? But was a sort of a uh, genius in his own yeah. field, right? But he made up the field. That he gonna, yeah, right. You're gonna have those like niche brands of people that are like, this is the future, and they're too early to the to the. Oh yeah, you know. But it's also because of people like that that it starts. Yeah, it's because of companies like Zero, love them or hate them, that the electric has proven that it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And enough it's, people are zero fan, you know, the fan base there exists <clears throat> enough where people have ridden them. Cleveland Moto had a guy that had rid hit, rode his from San Francisco or New York over. He was doing a cross-country trip. Electric Terry, who's friends with yeah. um, the Misfits, has ridden his a thousand bajillion miles all over. And... Even Bramo, back before they folded or got sold to, uh, you know, Victory, they rode from Oregon to Washington, D.C. to tell, I think it was President Bush at the time, or maybe it was Obama, I forget, it was in 2008, so I don't know when that was, Obama, I'm guessing. Um, The green, let's get a green, let's show the world that we can do it, and they rode that far. So it started way back when, and there's there's a huge fan base there. Because people are nerds for that sort of shit. For that, you know. When people, a lot of people, especially motorcycle people, they like the obscure. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know. I mean, just at the same time, refer to Harley again too. Like they're not necessarily the obscure in the motorcycle industry, but if you, my phone's talking to me. If you look at voice in these headphones. If you look at what Harley is, as far as an, a form of transportation, they're very obscure. Like, no one buys a car that's an air-cooled pushrod motor in 2018. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, as motorcyclists in general, I think we're into that. So you see the zeros, and people are into them, you know. But I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked for what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm nervous for as other companies come to market that they lose out. Um, you know, and I have to do. I have, do have to say also in twenty two thousand seven, I went to IMS and there was a ton of electric companies there yeah. because that was the next shit thing. And all it takes is a financial crisis for ten years to for go sure. down the toilet. Yeah. So and zero stuck around. You know, and I think you know they have a good product. Energ- uh, I think Energica looks way better. I, I think oh, you like for sure. the pricing for twice as much money. Yeah, though. yeah. <clears throat> and that's that's where, <coughs> excuse me, that's where zeros fit in. Was even though they're not cheap, as far as electrics concerned, they're very cheap. they're very cheap. And I think that's where Harley can subsidize the 
cost I'm of, really surprised, and I've always heard rumors, but I've never seen anything. I'm really surprised Tesla hasn't came in yet. Oh, he said he's not going to make one. He, he'd kill it right now. He said one almost killed him, so that's why he's not going to make oh, one. And then what? he started smoking weed on Joe Rogan, so he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm done, I'm done. Because, like, dude, his new car is the same price point as an Energica. Yeah. Like, you're telling me you couldn't do a bike that is awesome at the price point of a zero? Yeah. And China is coming up. Can I just get him to hire me? I'm down. Dude, China is coming up where you can get an electric car. Now, I don't know the range on it or any of that stuff, but some of their electric cars are less than a freaking YZ250. Yeah. And, well, I'm not. They're the little, like, K cars. Yeah, well, the one I saw looked like a Mazda 3. It was like a five-door sedan. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was $7,000 U.S. And I looked up a YZ250 because they were complaining about how expensive it is to take your kids racing on pit pass. Yeah. And like a YZ125 or 250 was $8,000. And I was like, holy shit, like $8,000 for a fucking off-road dirt bike that's not street legal. That you're going to spend another $200 a month without crashing. So what do you see going away in 2019? Do you think we won't see anything at the motor shows? I I see ABS coming on and I see, I think it's kind of already on. Most stuff is, it's an option for sure, but I think I see it becoming standard on a lot of stuff because I think I see integration. I don't know if I see anything necessarily going away, but I see no updates to the 600s. Yeah. And probably no updates to the 1,000 sport bike class. Yeah. Especially the 600, though. Yeah. Um, going away, I see carburation going away. There's quite... Actually, you'd be surprised... There's a surprising amount of carbureted bikes. Yeah. And they, they're in there because supposedly... I don't know how this works, and I'm going to look into it because I've heard that they're grandfathered in, like the KLR, the uh, TT... I, I think they're in there for price point, and they're in there on bikes that haven't changed in so long... Yeah, I think they're kind of grandfathered in. Yeah. Um, Dude, when a Royal Enfield gets fuel injection, but a KLR doesn't, like, you're like, what's going on here? I'm sure the KLR 250 has fuel injection, but the KLR 650 is still carbureted. You know? You know, sometimes if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, and sometimes it's just grandfathered into EPA emission, and you don't have to, like, come up with a whole new system, don't spend the R&D money, right? Yeah. I don't know if they need much R&D money for that yet. I mean, there's just fuel injections where it is, and I feel like a company like that, it's pretty easy, but... I feel like any new bike that has been introduced within like the last, I'm going to say, 10 years has been car, uh, fuel injected. I don't think you can yeah. get away with the carburetor anymore, even for price point and even for a smaller I think the price is down so much on them on yeah. fuel injection that it's not a big deal. Yeah. So I think fuel inje- I think I see carburetors going away because I, I think we're going to be seeing the end. Of, some of them are hitting their life cycle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The KLR 250 is coming out. I'm sure there's going to be like a KLR. Well, I don't know how old this 650 model is. It's pretty. It goes back pretty far. It's a, remember that 10 year bike episode that we had. Oh, yeah, it's at least a 10 year yeah, bike yeah, for yeah. sure. And they don't look. Yeah, they're just around there. Yeah. Because before, but before that, what was the last gen KLR? Twenty years or something? Oh, I don't. Yeah, I've never I mean, been. look at honestly. Now it's a big part of the market, but look at the old Ninja 250. Yeah. Did not change from like the late eighties, yeah, to like two thousand five or eighty four or something. Yeah, it was like almost time. It was over twenty years. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, There's you know quite a few things that didn't change until they absolutely had to, and so I think I see that. I think with that one, it was weird because it was like you'd walk into a dealership and see a brand new bike sitting there that you're like, wow, that thing's from the eighties. 
<laughs> but then you're like, oh no, it's brand new. Yeah. And EX500s came and went. There was a whole bunch. Of, and, yeah. and then the the EN or ER, whatever the 650, the newer Ninjas were. But that damn 250 stayed forever because, it, like the KLR, it was grandfathered. It and it, in think, the States, it wasn't a market. And when they made it a 300 and updated it all, and then everyone else started doing it too. They kind of made it a market. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. Know, I don't really see anything major going away. Like, I, I don't know. I think the 600s are going to hang around a little longer. I don't see them getting really any major updates, but I see them hanging around a little longer. Bold new graphics, pretty much. Yeah, new sticker kits, whatever. I think Honda had a new 600 a couple years ago, two years ago, and I think the R6 has pretty much remained unchanged, and so has the GSXR. And the ninjas. I mean, yeah. that's that hits all the six hundreds, and they pretty much have stayed the same yeah. for the last few really years most of the least. thousands have too. Yamaha is yeah. about the only one that got innovative, and then yeah. they did their Stingray bike, the R one and the R one M. And actually, the CBR was brand new for like seventeen, right, or something like that. It was the CBR it was newish, yeah. The SP one and the SP two because they went through like a little bit of a redesign. There were they some, calling them SPs? They have yeah the SP one and the SP two came out in twenty seventeen or eighteen, and I think the whole RR got a reboot then. Mm-hmm. Mostly probably a little bit of electronics and a little bit it wasn't yeah. like a whole crazy new thing like the CB going to the new CB looked like a retro nineteen eighties straight off the factory to like a robotic looking yeah. heavier slower. Yeah, <laughs> the Chris Wiggins complaint. <laughs> I see when you see the MT ten. And you're like, really, Honda? That's what you're throwing at it? Yeah. Like, yeah. The new MT10 is pretty rad. It is. I do. Here's one thing I see going away: halogen. I see LED coming on a lot of stuff nowadays. A lot of tail lights are already oh, LED, yeah. but a lot of headlights and even flashes are going to LED. Harley's yeah. going, when Harley starts doing it. Harley actually has direction lights. Did you know that? Like they're new. Some of the new bikes when you lean, the. Uh, you know the new Daymaker LEDs that they It'll have? It'll, like, light up to the edge? Yeah. It's like got, like, the a, cars will turn, but it will yeah. light up that edge. You know, how, that. you know how BMW cars have that halo ring? Yeah. Harley-Davidson's have that, but it's never illuminated. But on the new headlights, it, it might only be for the baggers, but when you turn, that outer ring lights up as, a, as like, a position light to show that part well, of the road. And it's so, funny... I guess we kind of talk about that because we always talk about like, or I always talk about like Harley not being the most technologically advanced, but they are the well, ones that have touched. Well, yes and no. It's it's they it's not the same place as everyone else does, but it's funny to see how everyone else is behind in those. Like they do really, they probably lead the way in headlights. Yeah, and they lead the way in touchscreens. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know what's funny too, but I, they. I, it's got to be for only the baggers. Cause I think it is. Why would baggers. a fairing? Why would a handlebar mounted headlight lean? I mean, I think it's only because at speed you don't turn the bars. That's true. Counter steer. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's all of them, but I think it's the baggers. <laughs> it might be your. But Harley Davidson has been uh, upgrading everything to LED. Even the turn signals have these like yeah. weird LED pucks in them. Well, the LEDs are so much brighter. 
Dude, a dude was riding a... Like, uh, the LED turn signals are so bright. He was riding a soft tail during the day the other day, and I was like, oh, those are bright. The rear yeah. lights were bright, and then when you put on the brakes, they got even brighter. And I was yeah. like, dude, this is like high noon, and I yeah. can... This thing is standing out to me. like, I, And that's a yeah. big safety issue. Oh, yeah. You know? And it, it... Yeah, it's just cool to see, like, where they throw their technology. But again, they can't do a totally new... They can, and they are, but... You know, they can't get rid of their platform. Like that Milwaukee 8 is a great example to me of what they need to do. Yeah. I I, I mean, LED headlights is a really good. The new motor that just came out, that's staying for a while. I mean, when you see even little bikes like Honda CRF 250 rallies getting LED headlights or taillights or whatever, a lot of 250s getting LED. Well, a lot of stuff like that, the Enduros, you want something that can be really bright, but it's still compact and lightweight. Yeah, and doesn't and draw LEDs a lot of electric yeah. off of a yeah. non... You know, you have some bikes that have huge stators because you got like a huge touring bike, but on those, yeah. everything is so minimalist that you want the yep. least amount of draw. Um, I am used. I see coming on more and more. How with the Grom and the Monkey getting one, so that yeah. you don't do a wheelie or a stoppy. Um, but going away, besides fueling, besides carburation getting swapped out for fuel injection, which I haven't even, I can't, I cannot. Uh, what's it called? I can't say that that's going to happen because I haven't seen it yet. But I think here's what I do think. We just had a whole bunch of. We just had a whole bunch of stuff happen. We had a shit ton of three hundred and two hundred cc. Um, mini enduro enduro bikes, you know, like all the mini GSs that came out, and the mini uh, KL, KLR that came out, and the mini Versus that came out. All these three ten adventure I think bikes. Honda is doing a. Sh- I think it's already out, actually. A CRF four hundred, four fifty, or four fifty, right? But it's a. It looks like the Dakar. It's not bike. the X. No, not not. They have the. Uh, it's a totally naked dirt bike, yeah. but it's totally street legal. Yeah. I believe in all fifty states. It's supposedly. I think it's, it's not an X. I think it's based off of their Dakar rally bike. Basically, it's a CR four fifty L. I think. I think and, you're right. I think it's an L. And then because L is their street legal bikes, the yeah. CR or the XR six fifty L, the CRF two fifty L. Those are all street legal, and that's another one. The street the two fifty rally is the basically. Honda's version of the small little adventure bike. The only one that didn't, I mean, Suzuki even has a, a Wii Strom 650, but I mean, I guess they don't have a 300 that I can think of, but Suzuki and Yamaha are the only ones that basically didn't release a 300cc a- adventure bike. So, I mean, I see all this has already happened. The bobber thing already happened. The scram- scrambler thing already happened. So, for 2019, here's what I really see happening. A bunch of three-wheeled vehicles. I see. I see Suzuki putting a three-wheeled uh, V-Strom out, <laughs> or, and a three-wheeled Katana. <laughs> Honda's going to come out with a three-wheel. No, I don't know. I, I'm. I'm just as excited for this year, even though all this crap has just happened, right? I mean, last year I feel like the new wing came out. There was a whole bunch of so, so much new stuff that came out yeah. last year that I can't believe they have anything left over for us this year. It's an odd number year. It's not like 2020, you know what I'm saying? It's 2019. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to be happening. I'm trying to find the new CRF, but I think you're right. I think it is called an L. Yeah, I think it's a 450L. 
And um, yeah, I mean, gosh, I, there's there's so much stuff that just happened within the last couple of years that I, 2019, I don't know, will this be the year that Harley makes the news because they go to the new, you know, they changed over to the Softails, released the FXDR and told the whole world what they were going to do for the next five years. And they usually hush, hush. Is that going to be the big, is, is 2019 going to be the year of bold new graphics? I guess we'll find out. Um, let's move on to the next thing. Insert music here. <laughs> What's the matter? You can't trust that pickle as far as you can throw it? Well, now with Klopman's, kosher dills have never tasted more fresh. Yes, made of 100% kosher dill in their own secret recipe brine, Klopman's will give you the energy you need to get out there and ride it like you stole it. Klopman's, the official pickle of motorcyclists everywhere. All right, everybody, I got a quick list of current events, and Wiggins, I'm going to let you start off. What's that? What's the first thing happening tomorrow? Tomorrow is the hooligan camp out at El Mirage Dry Lake Bed. That's right. And it should be fun. Yeah. It should be a good time. It will be a good time. I hope so. You're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, it's also, this weekend is going to be the 29th, Hooligan Hoedown in Bandit Town, USA, put on by Iron and Resin. I have no idea where Bandit Town is. I'm not real sure. I, I, think thought I, I think I looked it up. I think it's Eastern yeah, somewhere. I found out that Iron and Resin is like East Coast, so I thought it was um, Western, because Bandit Town. I mean, how many, we're all Wild West out here, but I guess it's Eastern. So, uh, so that's happening tomorrow. I think Pasadena Motorcycle Club is having a poker run on the 29th or 30th. Check that out. I will... I should verify that for you, but I, I just have my little list in front of me. Uh, so the hooligan campouts happening in El Mirage bring some food and water and sunscreen. September 30th, of course, is the worldwide DGR ride, the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Uh, thanks to two donors, two donors. I have $252 uh, nice. in, in my Junkie Turdman uh Account. So thank you, me and one other person that donated $200, <laughs> um, who may also be the guy that's letting me borrow his VFR. <laughs> uh, uh, I, can, I can neither deny or, or uh, confirm those uh, allegations. Also, October 26th and 28th, the Northwood 5. You're going to have to check out Forever Two Wheel Company's Instagram for those uh, informations. And uh, October 27th and 28th is going to be the Moto Beach Classic, put on by Roland Sands down at the Moto Beach. November 4th at 10 a.m., the Hanson Dam Ride used to be put on by the SoCal Norton Owners Club, but I want to say now it's put on by, like, the American British... American British Collectors Club or something like that. So check that out. There's a whole bunch of other ones that I will slam in here right now. And also, do you remember the Coatesville, Pennsylvania GP that we talked about a few, this is about three or four episodes ago? Oh, they're going to be having a, a GP through the town of Coatesville. Yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah. guy emailed me. It was. It happened this last weekend, September 22nd, Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Uh, it looks awesome. There was a ton of vintage bikes and vintage cars. We got an email from uh, William, and we're going to. I'm going to load it up on the blog. I already asked him if we could get his permission. I'll probably do it after this weekend. He sent me a ton of pics and a little breakdown of what happened. And I got to tell you, Coatesville doing it right, doing it how Catalina Island should be doing it. Um, speaking of which, going on today is uh, Monkey Island. Was this happening over on Catalina? We should have invited the that. Honda Monkey. That I, that's super. Rad. You know what? Hey, will we see that in 2019? Will people be coming out with a shit ton of 125s? I mean, we already kind of have a bunch, but none of them retro like the Monkey. 
I don't know. Stick around. Here's some more current events. All right, we're back. <laughs> we're back from current events. I've had a sh- ton of fun uh, Wait, being, insert, being an yeah. a-hole. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to talk real quick about the F six fifty CS. It was the uh, the Scarver. One of our one of our listeners rides this bike. One of our patrons actually rides this bike. Do you know much about this bike? I don't. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the F six fifty CS. We're gonna. We won't, won't take too long. Maybe a ten minute uh, little it's breakdown on this right? bike. Say what? BMW. Yeah, it's a BMW. The guy that designed this bike also designed one of the ugliest BMW, uh, one of the ugliest motorcycles, nay, one of the ugliest vehicles I've ever seen in my entire life. The R1200C. I think they call it, maybe might have called it a Montauk or something in certain markets, but it was the... F650 the, is nothing pretty to look at. Oh, now listen, right. The F650CS... I've heard it described by some as iMac because back when it came out, I think it came out around 2001, uh, somewhere around there, it was very iMac There was a lot of translucent stuff on it. Uh, the, the dash is very space age. The front is, has two headlights, but not quite asymmetric oh, yeah. like BMWs normally are. The body panels on this thing, disgusting. They like, kind of look like they're meant to look like the frame. Yeah, yes, yes. I I will say that. This thing looked very... Um, it's hard to even describe it. It was very 2000 space tech, you know what, what I'm saying? What was the one that he did? He did the R1200C, so look that one up. I think that one made uh, an appearance in Goldeneye or one of the... It was the one of the oh, Pierce yeah. Brosnan and James Bonds with it him and Michelle Yeoh. It was like a bobber. It was like a bobber cruiser, and if yeah. you... Oh, they're disgusting. But then... He also I, made with both of those two. They're almost so ugly that they look good. That's the thing is, is he was an American dude, but he was in charge of BMW styling for uh, I want to say well on like a decade or something. And he even maybe he hated his job. He was a designer that designed the K eleven hundred LT, and I remember looking at the. I did the some service data for that bike, and I remember going, dude, this thing looks like a friggin' Buick Skylark. Uh, of motorcycles. Yeah, that was the flat six one. Yeah, and it was it was a flat. It was a square four. Uh, yeah, f- inline four, and um, it was a flat four. If it was a four, yeah, it was a flat. Basically, a flat four, sideways brick, basically, and uh, it had puddle lights. This is the first time when I'm seeing BMW luxury because it was basically like the K sixteen hundred minus what. 500 cc's so it was only an 1100 it had a big old gross box it was not a gold wing it was not an electric glide it was bmw's version of these weird things all of his bikes and i think he made like the first r1100 rs which was like a cool naked sport but all of the bikes that this guy made when i very first saw bmw street bikes they were gross to me because the the old 80s ones the pushrod ones that you like were cool they had like a, it looked like just like a cool bike. You could take a Triumph, you could take a BMW, you could line them up, even a, even a Sportster and a Shadow, and line them up, and they all look similar enough that you're yeah. like, oh, these are cool standard motorcycles. You start getting into the BMW like fairing the bikes, and they all look yeah. like this chunky bike with this weird elephant trunk sort of thing or elephant tusk and then the forks and they look so disjointed to me because they look like the steering and everything in the front end was not part of the bike and this guy i found out was responsible for half of those that i that i thought were so ugly and uh 
Turns out he he stayed on as head of design to design the S1000RR, or he still worked there as design lead, I guess. He probably didn't design them, though, because looking at the bikes that he did design and then looking at the bikes that looked <laughs> sexy, like, they are two different species. But the S1000 was cool because it's asymmetrical fairings, asymmetrical headlights. Yeah. And see, the Scarver, or actually, okay, the F600, the F650, um, CS was also supposed to be the CS stood for city street. You were supposed to be able to take this thing through the city or out on the highway, and it was a canyon carver. So the SC they would call it Scarver. Well, it was CS, but they would they switched it around for the the nickname was the Scarver, and you're supposed to be able to carve the canyons and the streets, you know. So it had a kind of a weird nickname. And this is also back in the time when the Fs were the uh it was a single. It was a six fifty single and this is up until two thousand like five I wanna say. Did he design the Rockster too? He that was that the eleven hundred R eleven fifty R? Eleven fifty R. He might have actually done that one. Which was like the Randy Mamola no, but that looks like he probably did actually look at the front end of that thing. Yeah. Uh the eleven hundred RS had like a sport they had like the boxer replicas which looked really bitchin' and when we went on the Hanson or when we went on the Roses run, you were following one of those replica bikes, I think, up there. Wasn't that a it was like an eleven hundred uh RS, I think. Or a boxer replica. That was the boxer cup one, though. Yes. Yeah. So those look a little bit different, but similar to the 1100 RS. And that was like a street. It was like it was like nowadays R 1200 RS, where it's like the S 1000 RR without the fairing. With what the was that a dog? Yeah. You know, with these things on, how you, you can't tell where it's coming oh, from. Yeah, that was yeah. so creepy. <laughs> so he designed some of the coolest that was some of what turned into the coolest bikes, but they looked like just weird to me okay and so our friend rob is riding one of his crazy creations that on the tank i think the tank is under the seat in most of the f650s anyway um i think you're right and the air box was right there where we would call it a fuel tank but this one even went a step further and had this weird like cyborg looking hand contraption that you unscrew and there was these little ribs that went down to hold stuff in place that was like your holder and you could take that off and where the fuel tank normally is on a regular bike was a storage compartment so you could put your sandwiches and your fine wine and your uh your craft work cd or record in there you know and cover it up and then screw it back on it had all sorts of weird stuff going on for it the front end kind of looked like that rockster where it had like weird bug headlights you know what i'm saying yeah and after that, all the Fs nowadays, after 2000, I want to say after 2000, like, let's see, the F650 Dakar is the last version that I could remember that had a single cylinder, but they still called it an F, and I think that one went up until, like, 2008 or nine. So after that, now all the Fs are the parallel twins, and the Gs are the single cylinders, but this is back in the day, the F650 uh, CS when... Or maybe it was SC. Maybe that's why they called it the Scarver. This is back in the days when the Fs were still the single-cylinder thumpers, totally counterbalanced, uh, belt-driven. And a lot of the BMWs have uh, like a paralever front end that's kind of like a double uh, wishbone, you know what I'm saying, with a shock that actually mounts to the frame to the motor or the or another part of the frame and the shocks are dummy shocks there's not or the forks are dummy forks there's nothing inside of them because this double wishbone does all the work well this was still a traditional 
uh, right side up, you know, standard fork. Um, the chain drive was re- really weird because BMW was a single sided swing arm, which like most of the BMWs are anyway. And it had this weird eccentric how you would adjust the belt. It wasn't a belt. It wasn't a chain. It was a belt drive. Mm-hmm. And so this thing had a lot of cool things going for it. But at the same time, it just looked like a weird 1990s. Even though we're talking about 2001 to maybe 2005, I think these things went. We're talking about a weird time when smartphones were coming out, iMacs were coming out. Uh, there was a lot of, I want to say there was a lot of space age TV shows. And like you said, the frame was supposed to maybe look like part of the bodywork or whatever, like yeah. super integrated. And the colors were super flashy and super like. Uh, dis- uh, not complimentary. They were very dissenting. I don't know what the word is. I think like yellow and silver. For yeah, and, and like, like a bluish, weird mauve red on top of a blue. Like they were really weird, weird colors. That uh, I mean, I don't know. Is it the bike? Why? Why this bike went away? Because <laughs> from what I've heard, it was pretty average. You know, just your regular average bike. Not. It kind of had long front forks, like a like a um, V Strom, and that's what always freaked me out. Is because they look like they're supposed to be maybe like a what we would call today like a dual sport or an adventure bike. How they have really naked front end, like a V Strom does, or even like a Triumph Tiger has. But then these really skinny little forks and absolutely no, um, you know, no wheel or anything made for off-road so it's like yeah these it looked like it was supposed to be an adv bike with street tires on it i don't know it was a it was a miss for me and most of the bikes that this guy designed were misses for me i hated the r1200c it was an ugly bike the r1100 rs could have looked great like the r1200 rs and the um he actually designed he did design a really cool bike which was the k um 1100r and then they went up to k1200 and k1300 in the end those were actually really cool bikes in the K1300S. They were they were BMW sport bikes before the S1000RR. They definitely had a non-sport bikey feel because of the way BMW fairings have always looked compared to Japanese fairings. Yeah. So I will say that those bikes hit the mark for me, and I really liked them. But they were also the R's were naked. You know what I'm saying? So you can't really go too too wrong with the BMW naked bike. But yeah. So Rob, your um, your Scarver that you have there. Um, hang on to it. One of these days, it's going to be one of those weird BMW classics that ends up like in the Peterson or something because yeah. it's so out there and so crazy. Well, it's kind of cool. I mean, that's kind of when BMW started to come into their own. Yeah. So even though it's kind of far out there, I feel like a lot of that led to where Beamer's at today. And yeah. They kind of wrangled it back, and then but they also made that their style. Like the whole yeah. asymmetrical headlight thing is now oh, kind of their full deal. on. Even the GSs, yeah, has like a big side, yeah. a little side. Like even naked bikes have uh, off, you know, asymmetrical headlights. I love the asymmetrical fairings of mm-hmm. the the S one thousand RR. And you know what? You're right because before that, like we said, BMW had standard bikes. You have like the. Uh, the flying brick, you know what I'm saying? Like all the R100s and, and uh, R80s and stuff like that. They just look like a, a Z1 almost, but with a different boxer engine instead of yeah. a inline or a parallel twin. And so that's when they still look like standard bikes. And yeah, the two th- late, late 90s, I'm guessing, the 2000s, BMW started to make their own way. And now they're a leader. What doesn't look like a friggin' GS nowadays? You know what I'm saying? And what doesn't look like a... Um, S1000RR. I mean, they're the, yeah. they're the fastest bikes around the Alaman right now, so they're doing something right. BMW's always had a spot in my heart ever since, um, like, the 70s 
little, you know, the E, uh, the M3 and all that stuff, like the, the E motors or whatever they had. And yeah, I don't know. They've, they've always done things right, but just a little bit weird. It's like the eighties Germany let their music influence their motorcycles a little too much. I'm going to say in the two thousands and definitely Andrew Robb. He actually came from Pasadena, um, Pasadena. What's the name of that place? The Pasadena art center college of design. That's where uh, Earl works part-time. Oh, really? It's an awesome place, actually. And when I lived in Pasadena, we'd walk, like, they'd have a yearly art walk or something, and you could walk down there. <laughs> you could walk down there, and there there would be, like, blueprints that dudes did from that school out that you could buy as art, and it was so rad. It's okay, babe. People are going to think we're farting on that. I know. <laughs> it sounds like a little creeper fart. She wants to go to bed. So yeah, man, that Rob, hang on to that baby. One day it'll be worth a bajillion. What's a what's the German uh, Deutschmarks? So <clears throat> wigs, you gonna buy uh, an Escarver? Oh, no. I didn't think so. No. In other news, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Hey, I wanted to ask you, over the, this podcast has been around for three years now, and over the last three years, I've seen some pretty major headlines come and go with no basic, uh, they were all b- bark and no bite. And I'm wondering if you've seen any like that uh, come around, you know, something that ended up being big news and was a lot of chatter, but then didn't end up been you know anything at all just a big a big pile of ashes vaporware of the uh, headline industry did you know headlining was an industry <laughs> in journalism apparently there's an industry called headline but um what do you mean like, what's an example all right so i'm gonna give you one of the first ones when i very first kicked off the show one of the big big things going around was women ridership up 14 percent. you could not crack open a rag a motorcycle rag without having that appear somewhere because everyone was so excited that after uh 118 years finally women were going to start riding motorcycles and all along actually women have been riding motorcycles it's just that hasn't been publicized but nowadays when we're looking for people that maybe don't even want to do something we don't think that's right. We think, well, we need everybody to do this, you know, even yeah, if they're yeah. not interested. Women ridership has been something people have been looking for. And even the give a shift, if you get mom to ride the bike, chances are the kids can ride the bike. Or yeah. if you get mom riding, the family rides and the family bikes. So I think women ridership has been something that people have been hoping for from a uh, from a purchasing standpoint. I don't think that really like went away, though. Well, it was such huge news, but I haven't haven't heard anything else about women riding. Have you? Like more women riders and women this, women that. I think with social media, I see a lot more women riding and I see a lot more women doing cool stuff. But I don't think Jamie Astadio um, was like one of the first girls to like win, is one of the first girls to win. No, I'm sorry. Who's that girl that just won Carrasco, I want to say? In road racing, won a yeah. championship. No, she won a. She's one of the very first women in any sport to ever win a ra- a championship race. She didn't win the championship, but she won the race. Oh. Anna, Car- I think her name's Anna Carrasco. Maybe. And she just I, won. Yeah. Like she just made history by winning yeah. like a world championship race in a series or something like that. Yeah, because Shana's won. I mean, Shana's won it's races. Not considered a world championship. I yeah. Think. 
it was like an American series or something. Yeah, so it's not okay. The deal. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so even Danica Patrick never did it in Indy or with you know obviously NASCAR. Um, Shalina Moreda has raced internationally, and I don't know if she's ever won, but. You know, there's not and Melissa Paris. I don't know if she ever raced internationally. There's not a whole lot of women doing it. Yeah, and so she was the first woman to do so and has made history because of it. But as far as women ridership being up, I haven't seen any more headlines like saying this and that. I've seen a lot more women in ads. I've seen some women in a lot more Harley ads, which is nice that they're not just baggers with women on the back anymore. Um, I've seen a lot more women. In motorcycle advertisements in general, which I think it used to be just dudes at a bar. You know, I think that's how people used to, or women hitchhiking. I think that's I how people used to. On the back, yeah, chilling <laughs> on a bagger. Yeah, hey, trust me. Letting someone else take take over. Yeah, uh, I know. I, when when Liza picked me up from um, the tar pits, I was like, man, I you just can you just take me down to the Queen Mary like this? <laughs> like I don't want to ride. But um, but yeah, no, there's I, that was one of the huge huge headlines that made the podcast rounds and made the newspaper rounds. And then I haven't seen anything else, even with the give a shift stuff. I haven't seen any more people like touting that more women are writing. I haven't seen any announcements and I think there probably maybe are more women writing now than there even was in 2014 when that study came out. I think so, but it's not, it's not like you're going to see that same headline every year. Yeah. You know, um, well, well, that's true. I think they brought how, a lot of attention to it. And how come Harley keeps focused. popping up in the news every other month though? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> some of the same stuff. Even. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Um, another huge thing, speaking of Harley Davidson was the Harley Davidson is going to buy Ducati. That was such a huge puff piece. And I called it from the beginning cause I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I knew I, I, we had been reading, I had been reporting the news every other month I'm sure, myself. Like, someone at Harley was like, dude, it'd be so cool if Listen. you bought Ducati. But one, Ducati wanted way too much money for it. Or Audi wanted way too much money for it. You know what they're, you, that, they're owned by Audi, right? Yeah, yeah. They're owned you, by Volkswagen then. You know what you do with the, with the old lamp that you don't want to actually get rid of? You know what you do with an old motorcycle yeah. that you wiped us? You don't want you advertise it for $9,000 when it's yeah, worth like more than it's $400. Yeah. That's partially what Ducati did. But I also knew that being, I also knew that but Harley it, had owned MV Agusta. What did they do with MV Agusta? Yeah. They did nothing with it until they sold it to another company. They had it as part of their investment portfolio. It really didn't go up or down. It didn't bring them down or up. And owning it did nothing except for preserve MV Agusta from going under. Um, well, Ducati, I knew that there had already been the DOJ, the EPA thing, where they were selling super tuners. There had already been the, the first brake recall where they were saying that the uh, the ABS was getting water in it because the um, seals were deteriorating. Um, there had already been a bunch of other stuff happening with their sales slumping already, and they were moving marketing around or they were moving money around away from production toward marketing. And now... A couple few years later, three years later, I can kind of see why they were doing that because they got a whole bunch of new product coming out and they did do a whole bunch of under, – underneath they were doing a whole bunch of R&D. But that was my yeah. feeling. They said they're going to buy Ducati because they're really doing – hey, look at this, look at this. I'm waving my hand above my head saying, hey, look up here, look up here. And then down here at your ball sack, they're punching well, you a it's times, good. It, you know? got, it got them a lot of press in the motorcycle That's industry. what it did. It drummed up That's a lot exactly of That's exactly what it did. 
you know. And then, and then it became a thing. Like, and oh, then in the end, it's like, oh, yeah, this? it just didn't work out. And it just, and, who, you know, it could have been Ducati a now? serious thing where they were actually looking at it um, and they just decided not to. Or it could have just been a marketing thing. Who knows? Yeah. And then everybody, like, I think it probably helped Ducati because who else was looking at it? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, every, oh, well, look, if you hear the Aprilia's into it, then, yeah. oh, wait a minute. And who else is looking at it? Yeah, who else is looking at what other, even, even the, company that owns me was mentioned in going to possibly yeah. Ducati and I was like well not owns me but owns my company yeah and uh, nobody owns me fool <laughs> but yeah even the company that owns my company was mentioned in, in something and I was like you're kidding me like who's not gonna be Warren Buffett buys Ducati you know I knew it was just a big joke and what happened we're, we're a year and a half on and Ducati still owns Ducati yeah right so or that was a huge Huge headline that never went anywhere. Never it was just a big. Was you might as well just like wrote it and then crumpled it up and threw it in, in a fire. It was dust in the wind, as they say. Yeah. Um, another big headline that didn't. Another headline that was huge for me, but that didn't go anywhere, was Bimota closes. That almost happened like a go. That was a ghost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bimota closed down, and the only thing we got was like but one. Were they or- really ever open? <laughs> well, they were. I mean, they had the Tessie just a few years ago. They had um, some a really cool. But they uh, were all just Ducati. I mean, they were like what was the other one Cordova or something like that that did frames and put Ducati motors in them, which is I guess smart at the same time too. But yeah, I, and, and that's yeah, what Bimota did. Bimota and um, yeah, who else? There was another company that or was it Cordova or something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, remember, I'll remember it in a minute. But even I think MV might even have been guilty of that at one point. Yeah. But um, but Bimota was one of those companies that did a lot of cool stuff. The Tessie was I saw the Tessie in person when it came out and it blew my <clears> mind. <throat> um, then they. But I feel like they were one of those brands that every motorcyclist was like, "Oh, they're so cool," but they never bought them. Yeah. Oh yeah. True. True, and they were. I mean, you know, they were a little more expensive. Doesn't too, Aprilia use Ducati motors in some of their stuff or something like that? He's road tax and stuff. Oh, do they? Stuff. Okay, yeah. okay. And yeah, Bimota was one of those ones. It was everything was handmade. I think it was about five dudes. I saw some really cool documentaries on the yeah on the factory. It was like as big as your house, dude. It was and not they didn't very do big. Anything like normal. Yeah, everything was linkage, crazy. Oh yeah, you know, over engineered, which works and is super cool. But it, it's I want to even say sell that rad the SB three. I want to say was a Suzuki powered Bimota for a while there, and um, like they they experimented with all sorts of cool stuff. And when they closed, none of, all that just was like it was like hey the Bimota factory is closing, and there was a couple shots of what looked like an industrial complex in like El Cajon. Or let me think, if you're in like downtown Melbourne, or maybe even in like um, Bristol, England, like just a little down, just a little weird comp, like uh, offices or something that was closed, and it didn't look like anything. I mean, I've seen uh, t-shirt companies with bigger <laughs> hangers that they work yeah. out of. You know what I'm saying? So it was just a weird thing. Bimota closes, and it was like the end of an era, the end of a like when Eric Buell closed, he got more press. You know. So that was a some, that was a headline that didn't go any literally didn't go anywhere. They this huge icon in Italian motorcycling closed, and uh, no one even probably remembers who they were when they were around. Um, well, in a company like that, they might be back in five or ten years. Yeah, you never know. I mean, that's a it's just one of those brands that 
they might get bought up yeah and and basically reopen right there you, there you go speaking of which that's my next uh scully scully was huge headlines that was the yeah. they were the laughing stock and do you well, know they were just the like they bought a bunch of cocaine and hookers right? yeah yeah, yeah. So they and, and Scully vaporware is like what the tagline. Like everybody was like, "Dude, Scully was such vaporware. They got my money." But so now the investor or the the original board members or the investors of Scully have bought it, and they're actually supposedly going to be starting and maybe even shipping helmets um, that the brothers. I listened to. Um, they had one of the main guys on motorcycles and misfits. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, a little while back. So Scully, that was another huge, huge headline that didn't really go anywhere. I mean, it was like people weren't lighting fires and burning down the Scully headquarters, chasing it down. It was like, oh, Scully's did a bunch of hookers. People laughed about it, and then it never you never heard any yeah. follow-up on it. And I guess that's another, like, headlines that didn't go anywhere. That's, I guess, what I'm talking about. It's like, where's the follow-up on this stuff? Uh, the other one that comes to mind, like Harley-Davidson, I'm not even going to go there because they've made so much news from... In the last three years alone, almost every episode I had something to say because they were always in the goddamn news, whether they were doing something good or something bad or somebody was talking about them um, or they were going to go under or they're going to buy somebody. There was so much news about them that um, half of it can never go anywhere. And and half of it was just this cover for this other shit that's coming out. But Vox, or not Vox, Voz. You ever heard of Voz? V-O-Z-Z. I don't want to get that wrong. I'm going to look it up on the internet real quick. But that was a strapless helmet. You ever heard of a strapless helmet? Mm. <laughs> There's a lot of strapless stuff that I've heard of. Bras, um, dildos, but never helmets. And Voz was a strapless helmet company that was rev- revolutionary because it had like a weird like hinge on the top and you stick your face in uh, and it closes yeah, behind it you. back. So, and they are extant from what I know. Yeah, here's a vase right now for 159. Actually, these aren't the these are just regular helmets. So, apparently they offer regular helmets as well. But the uh, the snap-in ones, the rear axis helmets was the ones that was going to be the next big thing in motorcycling. It was going to be better for you because it didn't go under your chin and like you know, in in certain accident situations, it was like part of your head, like your face went in it. And so it was just an interesting concept. Yeah, I that, remember seeing them. Yeah, yeah. You kind of put your face in it and then close the back of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it had like the unique, everyone's like, how's it going to work? How are they going to get off your head? And in case of an accident, there's like yeah. these little certain ways where first responders take your helmet off. And in this one, it's like, yeah, how are you going to do that? But supposedly it would make it quicker and easier and it would fit much nicer and not have any wind noise. There was a bunch of benefits that it was supposed to have. Um, and then I never heard anything else from them. Like Vaz, where did you, are you still around? Where did you go? What did you do? We're, we're watching a video on YouTube right now of, of the old, you know, rear axis helmets, but they also have a bunch of helmets that are just regular helmets. And so if you, I don't even know Vaz, you know, haven't heard, haven't heard anybody talk about them. Yeah. So that was another headline that was like kind of big news went away. Um, haven't heard boo since and uh funny enough you know another helmet company them and scully and uh another big one that i that was actually this one was not too big but it was i'm I'm sure this one still happens which is why it's so funny to me but in 2015 i want to say that the new snell 
regulations went in the Snell 2015 regulations went into. So everybody that had a Snell 2010 helmet, oh, you got to get a new helmet. You got to get a new helmet. But if you have a 2010 and older helmet, you got to get a newer helmet. That's not a, that's not what people will do. B, that's not how helmets work. That's how the Snell rating works. Two versions prior, I think is what they consider safe. So if you still had like a Snell 2005, technically it's still okay in 2015 or whatever. But a ton of these things, they did a raid on one of the um, the docks down in Long Beach and they found a shipping container full of like a bajillion, is that a real number? Um, helmets that were f- fake like dot stickers from that mm. said they complied with Snell and dot, and none of them were. Yeah. So the whole thing was that this this crazy. There was going to be a helmet shortage for you know in 2015. There's going to be a helmet shortage. 26. What are we going to do in 2016? There was no helmet shortage. Um, people still sell dot stickers. You can you can buy a dot sticker. I mean, if you know the right yeah. channels to go through, any helmet is dot legal. Even novelty helmets and all that stuff. So that was one of those things that was kind of a headline for a little people were talking about it it wasn't like a huge you know well, you're still gonna have the quality helmet manufacturers oh yeah shooting helmets you're not gonna have a shortage because of yeah that. i know that's the it was so it was like really guys what do you think's gonna happen here you know we're all gonna be riding around like it's uh yeah arizona with no helmets but uh so that was a headline that really wasn't it it, it made the made the rounds and nothing ever came out of it and if you still want to fake a helmet you can still probably go down to the docks uh, they, sure they busted them and took away like 15 or 2000 helmets from that one container that were going out to places like bell and built you know what i'm saying like nobody yeah. actually makes their helmets here they all come yeah. from china anyway but um yeah. So, and then you can still buy a container full of dot stickers probably <laughs> if you want to. Mm-hmm. So that was my uh, headlines that never went anywhere. All right, let's get into some quick racing news before we wrap it up. Insert music. All right, Wigs, we're back. I got a little bit of racing news. You want to hear it? Or you want to just call it a night? Sure, we can go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The, the, the fate of the show is in Wiggins' hands. That's so, never a good thing. Wiggs says, let's go for it. So I got a couple of things racing I wanted to talk about, partially because uh, some, this is, we're, we're ending the, the year for a lot of things. There's only a couple races left for a lot of series. I think Moto America just finished their I last. I think it wrapped up. Yeah, it wrapped up. Because uh, J.D. Beach won his championship, right? Yeah, J.D. Beach won. I want to say Cameron Bobier won. Uh, Tony Elias actually took the last round, but I don't think he... I think Cameron Bobier took the, the championship in uh, Super Bike. I think J.D. Beach won Super Sport. And Roger Hayden called it quits. He ran his he final retired. race. Yeah, so he, he made the passes. Everybody in the pits stood up and gave him a farewell, which is really cool to see. I mean, it's yeah. so cool to see stuff like that. He's the last of a racing dynasty, at was least he the for a while. One? Yeah, he was the youngest. And so. Who's the oldest brother then? Tommy. Okay, so you yeah. retired a while ago? Yeah. And so, yeah, the, uh, the last of the American racing dynasties is done, um, and we, we might not see that again. I mean, their dad raced, their grandpa raced. They, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I'm sure there's some kids on the way that are... Yeah, we'll have to see if, they, if there are some kids that, that grow up uh, and come out. So that, that was cool. Most of Moto America has wrapped. Um, 
flat track only has, I want to say, one more race to go. Two. Two more races to go. Two races. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, we watching this weekend. I uh, forget where they're coming from. The but Minnesota gonna, this weekend. Yeah, that's right. The Minnesota Half Mile or something like that. Minnesota Mile. All right. I got it all wrong. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think they're in the Waskaloosa <laughs> Half Mile. Um, yeah, the Minnesota Mile. It's coming up this weekend, and the last race was September 8th. I do know that. Uh, and they came from uh, Williams Grove in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, baby. And um, I, was, I wasn't talking to Wiggins, dudes. I should have <laughs> edited this out. So, so far in the Twins, the standings, we've got Meeson first, and Henry Wiles, who has only got one first place this year, yeah. coming in second. And he's Consistence. so... Yeah, that's Dude, it was Colby Carlisle last year, right? And he... Um, <laughs> he uh does she want does she not want to lay there because i'm here no she wants to go to bed i think oh do you want to go to bed wiggins has a, a pet chimpanzee that is uh, begging to go to bed right now <laughs> um so anyway so Mises is in first don he you know he already wrapped up the championship yeah, he locked it in a while ago. like last race or the race before so henry wiles is in a dominant second he's he you would have he would yeah, he can't be beat i think i looked at the points he can't be beat right now um so then we got briar bauman uh, Especially not with Carver last round too. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Where did Carver? Where did he come in last he round? He ran out of fuel with like two oh, laps to go. Yeah, he was fighting for third. Oh man, so that sucks for him because he's only sixteen points out of third spot. We got Briar Bauman well, in third, and that was with Bauman winning. He would have been maybe still ahead of Bauman. Yeah, actually, yeah, by uh, twenty. Yeah, by he would have been behind him by one point if he. If he won, he would have been ahead of him. But if he, even if he came in second, he would have only been behind by one point. He's 16 points out right now from third. Um, so he can still catch about. I mean, he's still got a chance. With two races left, he's still got a chance to and get in third spot. even if he fourth, that's a spot better than he was last year in points, yeah. too. So. so he's sitting in fourth now. He uh, 17 points behind him is Coolbeth. For first place, you get 25 points. I think he's going to drop down a few points. You think Coolbeth will? Yeah, I don't think they're allowing him to race the last two rounds. Why not? Because he punched Johnny Lewis. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Punched him, punched him. Oh, damn. See, I've been out of the flat track loop since Meese wrapped it up. So what what, happened, what went down here? So going into turn one on the first or second lap. Um, Wait a minute. Don't tell me. He watched the uh, the Misano. No, he watched Fernand. Uh, what's it? What the hell was it? He watched Fernandi. That's his name. He watched Fernandi uh, grab the brake lever. So he punched him while they were racing. So, no. <laughs> he got off the bike and punched him. So going into turn one, Lewis kicked out the rear wheel. Um, and I actually talked to Carver about this. It's kind of an unspoken thing the first few laps where – Obviously, everyone's really close. Obviously, everyone's jockeying the first few laps. But you just try to be a little extra cautious. And what happened, it looked like Coolbeth was just too close to Lewis. And Lewis backed it into turn one, which kicks the rear tire out and just took out. Um, took him out. Took out his front wheel. But in Lewis's defense, how do you know who and what is that close? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's a definitely a thing. Um, but when they're going into turn one on the first few laps, Carver said that's something you really try not to do. Like, you don't just – and as hooligans, we all do, you know. We, <laughs> first laps, same, like, we don't know any different. But, yeah. Um, yeah, he said it's kind of a safety thing. It's kind of an unspoken, like, thing. So you, you wait till you're a single file to start doing stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But so he basically took out his front wheel, 
Um, Took Cool Beth out of the race altogether? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, pretty good accident. Um, it took out Vanderkoy, um, took out Davis Fisher, who both went down trying to miss Cool Beth, and maybe another person went down. Damn, I needed to watch this and, one. And um, Was this at Williams Grove that this yeah, happened? Yeah, oh, wow. Williams Grove. But he, so Cool Beth got off the bike and went up to Lewis and punched him in the head. <laughs> Which he had a helmet on. So. Yeah. But, yeah, so I believe he is suspended the last two rounds. Dang. Bummer. Dang, it's, what a way to go out. It's a bummer out. to go out like that. Yeah, because you know? he's retiring this season. Yeah. Dude, I need to go watch that. That's like some Weston Pike shit. Like, a motocross guys do that all the time. You that- know, honestly, though, it's kind of cool. <laughs> kind of that old NASCAR shit, you know. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say he's so he's definitely it's definitely hooligan. Throwing punches, starting fights. Maybe we'll see Cool Beth on a Indian next year racing for Ro- Rolling Sands. Yeah, well, it wouldn't surprise me actually. Um, you know why not? <laughs> yeah. So the results that's that's the standings right now with Meese Bauman. Oh, I'm sorry, Meese Wiles Bauman Carver and Cool Beth, and of course Cool Beth probably will drop back a few yeah. spots now. Uh, right behind him, I forget who it was, but they weren't far, so I'm, I'm, he's going to drop down for sure if he's banned. J.D. Beach, speaking of, uh, you mentioned him. He's going to be racing the last two events yeah. since he's done his season's over yeah. road racing. I think he's going to be riding for Estenson. Yes. Um, the results from Williams Grove came like this. The twins, Briar Bauman and Bronson Bauman, came in first and second, respectively. Which is super cool. Is Bronson's first podium. Yeah. And to finish behind your brother... Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I want to say Bronson didn't even... Yeah, I was going to say he came in like... His highest was like fourth or fifth. Yeah, he never poked yeah. before. I know that. Yeah. And he made... Before the red flag, it wasn't... He was just doing okay. And then after... I want to say there was another red flag. Because there was a single file restart. Maybe that came from Cool Best. So maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't the second lap or something. But... Um, <clears throat> yeah, man. He made a good run and then made a good pass on Meese and kind of walked away from Meese a little yeah. bit. I used to see his name a lot more in the GNC1 and GNC2 days because back then you didn't have twins and singles. <clears throat> you were all on twins or you were all on singles, depending on if it was short track or not. And um, so it was a little confusing, GNC1 and GNC2, but I used to see Bronson's name a lot more because on the bigger bike, he's a bigger kid. I think he's bigger than Briar. I don't know. Uh, and on the he was he always looked chubby to me. Where Briars always kind of looked like you know a little bit more wiry and, and athletic. And he used to do a lot better when they would race the twin when GNC two also raced twins. Um, mm-hmm. He was a lot quicker, I feel. And, and then uh, you know once they went to singles and twins, I thought he was in singles for a year, but maybe not. I guess he wasn't last year, huh? He last was, year he was on twins, but I don't know about the year before. Yeah. That. So, and this is the first year they've done the Twins singles. Well, no, this yeah. is the third or fourth year for that. No, Michael Locke's only been CEO since uh, this is 2016. The, so 16 and 17, I guess, is the... Last year might have been the first yeah, year yeah. for Twins yeah. singles. So, so, yeah, before that, I, I don't know where he... Uh, I don't and think I don't he think his singles. first year they did that. Yeah, I don't think he raced singles the first year they did that. So... Um, so anyway, so Briar Bronson, Meese coming in third, so at least he got a podium. He's only finished off podium, aside from the DNF where he poured 805 beer all over his tires. He only finished fourth, I think, at the TT, right, at Peoria? I don't know. You know, I heard an interesting side of that. Um, so first of all, they're still fighting that. Oh, really? You know, they kind of came out, and I felt like kind of apologized for it, but um, what I've heard from a decent source 
was that um, who's his mechanic? Oh God! I know, right? It took. Uh, anyway, um, I guess Mises' mechanic came out and said, "We're kicking everyone's ass. Why would we cheat like that?" Yeah. So basically, what they claim happened was they pulled a tire out of the truck. And it worked good, so they put it on. They left it on the bike. It was not a chemically altered tire. It was like a tire from 2014 or 2015, and the tire they tested it against was a 2018 tire. And Dunlop has changed the compound a little bit. Or something. Oh, interesting. So and sitting around a garage around vapors, who knows what see what leached into it or well, whatever. and you know honestly, um, you know Tour de France tires, Tour de France tires are all about ten years old. Huh? They store them in cool basements for like ten years to supple them up or something. Huh. Interesting. So you you know who really knows? But supposedly, um, from my inside source, kind of inside. That they were like, yeah. First of all, why the fuck would we cheat if we're kicking everyone's ass? And that was the deal. It was an old tire, hmm. so they're fighting it right now. They're trying to kind of figure it out. Or have they but, had months to make that story up? I mean, maybe it is an old tire, though. Yeah, I, it'll have I the date. It'll have the date on there. If it's- and, and honestly, I kind of yeah, it would have the date. I kind of got the vibe from them where they were like, hey, we're sorry about that. Yeah, and when you've gone on to dominate every other race and you've been scrutinized for that one, it kind of shows that maybe well, maybe it wasn't a, a dope it, tire. My thing is, why would you tarnish your season like that? Yeah. Like, he's trying to break a record, which I think now if he wins the next two rounds, he can only tie the record. But he wants to break the record for most wins in a season. Which he has 10, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's got 10 wins. So if he gets 12, I think it'll tie it. And they used to do more races back then. They do less races now. Um, but even without that, if you you know, even at that point, he knew he was going to be on top or pretty close. So why would you risk? And I said this when it happened. Like, why would you risk that? Yeah. Like, why would you Because... All they did was take his points away from the one race. What if they would have taken his points away for the season? Yeah. So, I don't well, know. I think Tim Hortons has something to do with it. I think the <laughs> fact that he's all hopped up on Tim Hortons every day. I, I'm sure it's altered got his, hot sauce in those tires. It but. altered his brain and his tire compound yeah. now. Um, so him, Bauman, Bronson, Meese, Johnson, and Vanderkoy finishing out the top five for the Twins. And Vanderkoy, for a note, had to start at the back at the restart. And the and only, worked all the way back up there. Yeah. Top spot for the Harley Davidson rider, uh, right? Because the other, yeah, Sammy. I, I didn't even see Sammy in the in the list. And then if if uh, Brandon, Brandon Robinson, Robinson, I think was back. Yeah. Uh, in the singles, in the standings so far, we have Dan Bromley sitting in first spot, and he's been pretty he's dominant. Locked this year. in, dude. He's he got bad. locked into the championship at Williams Grove. Did he? Okay. So he has won it. Yes, I could. I was going to say the points have him significantly out front. Yeah. Um, Ryan Wells in second, who is Ryan Wells, has been pretty consistent over the last couple of years, <laughs> actually. Shayna Texter sitting in third. And like, how impressive on that with a new team and a new bike. Yeah. 
And I would put my money on her to win the championship next year. Yeah, I was going to say, and all eyes on her from last year. You well, know, I until, mean, she, everyone, until she started to peter out a little bit. <clears throat> all eyes are always on her because she's... Like one of the only girls. Oh, by the way, Sammy Halbert's girlfriend, Sandria Shipman, got signed to... Richie Morris. Yeah, Richie Morris recently. I think that was 100% a marketing move. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've watched her ride. She's a very talented rider. Yeah, she's going to be back for the last couple of rounds because she had that crash and she just got yeah, a Yeah, yeah, yeah. But recovery. she... I've never seen her really place well or finish well. Yeah. I think Richie Morris just wants a girl on the team for marketing. Yeah, you know what's funny? And I don't remember Nicole Chesa doing very good. I mean, I remember seeing her do all right, but again... Is now? Yeah, Nicole yeah. Meese now. But when she was Nicole Chesa, yeah, again, I don't remember her, but she was always mentioned. She was she was fast, but you yeah. know, there was always like five or six other dudes faster than her. But where Shayna's fast... For everyone, yeah, she's not just fast. I know girl. she's an ass kicker. I really like watching her race. I like you know, watching. What I like about her too is she says I don't. She says she works on it too, but she says like I'm not good at TTs and I'm not good at short tracks. Yeah, and she's like we work on it. Yeah, but to me it's like how many hundreds of laps do you spend on a short track in yeah. another time? Yeah. Well, and also, like you your can't... boyfriend and your roommate are are both yeah. <laughs> really, yeah, really 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 good. good. And also, your brother is pretty decent at some of the short track stuff he does. But the thing, the other funny thing is, is that Brian Smith has proved that you can't be Mister Mile. They used to call him, yeah. you know, Mile Mile Man Smith or something like that, or Brian the Mile. And he proved that you can't win on just miles anymore now, too. You can't. You know I, what I'm I saying? I don't think. You know, I really enjoy the miles, but I love. I'm bummed that they basically for the twins do two TTs. Half miles and miles. Yeah. I want to see him do Springfield Short Track on Twins. Yeah. And I think X Games was cool. X Games is, it was such a shitty track that the racing was shitty, but I think you could have good racing if it's a good track. What about the year before that? Was that one even shittier? Yeah, but it was a half mile. But like um, an example would be Salem, Oregon. I think the Twins could put on a really good show at Salem, Oregon. Yeah. And what's that one? An eighth, three. Oh, really? That's short. Tiny, tiny. Yeah, but even Castle Rock, where they and they used to do a TT at Castle Rock, um, that would be a pretty short track for the twins. But it's still, it's a ninety mile an hour track on my hooligan bike. Really? Huh? But I'd like to see like a tiny little bull ring and yeah. watch the twins go at it. Dude, Del Mar would be such a rad venue because yeah, but the track's shitty. <laughs> Okay, well. That's why Salem would be a good venue. Yeah. The track's good. So the standings uh, are looking like that, but the finish at uh, Williams Grove was uh, Tanner Dean came in first, which Tanner Dean, I've seen his name pop up here and there. I think this is the first He's time I've seen him in first. No, I think he won Calistoga last oh, year. Oh, did he? Oh, no, I mean like this year. Maybe. I don't, maybe. Think, I, I don't think I've seen him in first this year. I, it's hard to remember. Um Shayna Texter got second, Morgan Mishler in third, Max Whale, who I think is from the UK, him and Brinley are probably buddies over there, in fourth, and uh, Carlisle in fifth. The funny thing that hit me about the, the uh, singles races is that... Wait, where's Carlisle in the points? Did you write that down? Oh, n- he didn't. He's not even in the top five. Mm-hmm. He was way down in like eighth or something, or ninth. Um, for Except for uh, Coolbeth... Let me see. Let me look, look at my list here. 
I should correct myself too. I said they do two TTs. They do three TTs. Yeah, they did three this year. For the twins. Yeah. Daytona Buffalo Chip. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um I think that I think the uh in the for the standings or for the results mm-hmm. it was Indian 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 Harley. And in the T in the singles, this uh it was KTM, Husky, Yamaha, Kawasaki, and Yamaha. And then after the Yamaha, there's a bunch of ton of Hondas. Which KTM, used to be, Honda, Yamaha, yeah. Husky. Because Ryan Wells is on a Honda. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. He said he was second. He's a in the sta- In the standings, but not for the results of the oh, last okay. race. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, for the, in the standings, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, But you have such Whoa. a variety of manufacturers Who in the won? singles. Tanner Deans? Is he on a KTM? Mm-hmm. And then Texter's on a Husky, Michler's on a last year. Yamaha, Wales on a Kawasaki, and Carlisle's on a Yamaha. And uh, but yeah, but the championship went KTM. Yeah, Honda, I was gonna Husky, say I was gonna say Bromley is definitely on a KTM. Yeah, Wells, I think you're right. He's on a Honda Husky. Janish, what's he on? Is he on a Honda? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, so Janish and Michler, and I don't. Michler is on a. Um, Yamaha. So yeah, lots and lots of different uh, people kicking it there in the singles. I wonder if Michler's going to ride an Indian in the Twins class. I don't know. Because his family owns a Harley dealer. Yeah, I know. I know his dad wrapped up the uh, hooligans, right? Didn't his dad? His uncle. Oh, okay, okay. And the He's only... not very hooligan, though. His uncle's not hooligan? Dude, he was just telling me, how, oh yeah, I, was, I did a lot of racing up until like two years oh, ago. Oh, okay. Basically, what I heard after that was, so I decided to come out and kick all your guys' yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah. You're a bunch of fucking that's not guitars. That's not what came out of his mouth. That's what you heard? Yeah. <laughs> that's what your inner voice told you? Um, the final racing that I have is that um, Alta, they finished third in the Endurocross Championship at Reno, Nevada. Oh, not Championship, the Endurocross Round in Reno, Nevada. And that's the first time an electric motorcycle brand has finished on the podium in an all-gas class against like bikes. And so they, they're... Where did they finish at the Red Bull Rampage last year? Uh, you know, they didn't make it to the finals. I know, I know that. The straight rhythm? Yeah. Yeah, they did yeah, not make it to the... They didn't make it to the finals. I think they dropped out in the second round of semis or something like that. So they I'm made not, it further than like. Yeah, of, and it, it wasn't been, like they put a big name on it. I mean, put kind of a big name. Yeah, Ty, Ty Tremaine's the guy who was Josh Hill. Was is that who was? No, no. It's Hill, but not Josh Hill. Yeah, is that Hillsack? Yeah. Uh, yeah, something Hill. Joe Hill. Timmy Hill. Tim Hill. Um, Tim McGraw wrote it actually. Tim <laughs> McGraw wrote it, uh, and I think he came in eighth. Garth Brooks. Oh no no no! You know what? Cross. I want to say they came in fourth or fifth because they were just so. off podium. Yeah. And so they made a pony podium at the Enduro Cross Championship, and they're hoping that maybe they'll hit. Finally, uh, if not, you know, next year or something, they'll come out on first. Ty Tremaine was riding at the Enduro Cross. So, um, and the Super Hooligan National Championship, which you're a huge fan of, I didn't yeah. look to see where you. They don't have your standings anymore, so I can't see where you're at. But I'm you were out of the top you were 10. fifth for a while. But uh, the round. right now it's Debrino, and he's locked. He's like yeah. so far uh, from anybody else that he's basically got it wrapped up at the, for the Moto Bay. As His Bay were second. Yeah. Well, he was until last weekend anyway. Dude, this paper's loud when it's this close to the mic. When did I say the Moto Bay is happening? It's happening October 27th to 28th, the Moto Beach Classic in Huntington. Yeah. So Debrino's got that locked up, but Baber's second. Jordan Graham is third. Brad Spencer's fourth. 
and Garcia, Freddie Garcia, Joey Garcia, Frankie, Frankie Garcia, is sitting pretty in fifth, and uh, yeah, so, so it's, the top three guys have done all the rounds. Brad Spencer set out a few rounds. Yeah, he was back a little bit further, and I could tell that he probably hadn't done a few, but he's when still he got second at Costa Mesa, so he yeah. might be a lot. And Baber got fourth, so he might have got bumped up a little. Yeah, um, so I don't know where Garcia, but I, I just mean like. Um, like Graham's sitting in third, but he's done all the rounds. Yeah, Andy's done all the rounds. Maybe we've done all the rounds. Maybe we'll see. Maybe there'll be some action at the Moto Moto Beach. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go to that one. I'm gonna dress up as you. So hopefully, hopefully, I don't get killed. <laughs> you might get kicked out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's racing, and I think that's our show. It's it's only midnight. We yeah, finished right. this one pretty early. But um, Wiggs, thanks for hanging out, and thanks no for problem. thanks for your input. Thanks I, for coming over here so I could get shit done for the weekend. Yeah. You actually, uh, I'll say that your um, your pet chimp looks uh, like she really needs to hit the sack. You got any cool sign-offs? Uh, that's it.